Pre-roll. Well, you just got to say exactly what you just said. What did I just a, say? It was, it was a great episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. We covered. Mm. Um, Fuck, what did we cover? Yeah. Your eye? Yeah. Mate, yeah. No, I got literally. That He's back. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, we should touch on, he is our most successful episode yep. we've ever had, uh, most listened to episode. So if you haven't listened to it, our new listeners, go back and listen to the John Elliott episode where he trekked yeah. across Australia with six camels. But yeah, he yeah, ju- Listen to that first oh, and yeah. then listen to the second. Yeah, back but, to backs. Um, incredible episode. Uh, definitely went down a different path than I was anticipating. Yeah. Um, but yeah, right, that's good for a, a traveling pod. Yeah, yeah. Well, what, what do we chat about? Do you remember? Oh, let's back from insurance. That yeah, no, no, we're not selling it. We're not selling it. No, no, no. We didn't speak about any fucking insurance. Uh, yeah. No, uh, yeah, heaps cooler stuff than insurance. Yeah. Um, no, we spoke a lot about uh, yeah the eye injury. So I yeah. got mm. got my eye taken out by a fifteen foot bullwhip. So mm. you know, and uh, Antarctica. Yeah, loading a gun to shoot myself. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, fuck yeah. 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 Um, um, Antarctica being vulnerable, smoking elephant shit. Oh, entrepreneur, like a lot of entrepreneurship stuff, like and yeah. in, in, uh, building a business and yeah. And mindset. Have you started your own business doing elephant entrepreneur? <laughs> 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 Fucking awesome! It was yeah. good episode, really, really good. good. Had fun, gentlemen. Yeah, mm. thanks for you coming speak in well. Again. You should do public speaking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think um, you should. Uh, looking into it. <laughs> 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 so, there's so many I like. There's so many oh, terms of phrases that include. I've got my new nickname. What oh, yeah. is it? Dartboard. Dartboard? Yeah. One what? eye and hung. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys um, for joining us and shout out to all the Patreons for helping us sponsor the new move to the studio. Yes, the new studio. We'll talk about that in the episode. And uh, this episode is brought to you by... Raunchy. Raunchy not Prime. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, by Raunchy, the beer that actually tastes good. Yeah. I think we might have some we can give you. Um, yeah. And congrats to um, Ian. Uh, for being nominated. We said this last year, but the same day. So, yep. nominate, well, won the best mechanic workshop. So, Ian owns a mechanic workshop, Ian Jeffrey Motors, and Raunchy, the brewery. So, get around it. Mm. Tastes good. Mm. And uh, the heavy diesel is my favorite at the moment. Is it? Yeah. Mm. It's very, like, it's six, it's a six and a half percent. So, Dad, it actually tastes like booze. Dad too. tried the two stroke the other night. I had it go, you ejaculate. <laughs> he didn't like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, I like it, but yeah. he didn't like it because uh, he's like, nah, it's fruity. I'm like, that's <laughs> <laughs> it's a craft beer. Too alpha. <laughs> All, All right. right. Well, speaking of fruity, let's get hard. Let's get Welcome hard. to Hard Yarns Podcast. I am fucking fat. <laughs> <laughs> Anything Chris White says, please <laughs> disregard it. 5D is actually a state of being. It's a unity consciousness. That was Hard Yarns with me, Frankie Rose. So I'm going to throw it over to your co-host. Daniel Delby. And Cameron Brand. I would do this and then I'd gong. <laughs> Free in attendance for the millions listening at home. <laughs> Let's get hard. Yeah. Rav 4. The hybrid Rav 4s. What the fuck you rap for? Push a fucking Rav 4? Yeah, boy. <laughs> fucking. Yeah. So. I hate it, Rav 4s. Because, I, because, of cool. that so- because of that song. Oh, yeah. I don't even know that song. Kanye. Oh, what do you wow. think of rap for? To push a fucking rap for? Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's fucking. Where is Kanye? That now? makes me feel like he's. Um, yeah, he's got a bit quiet. Yeah. <laughs> a bit dead. Yeah. <laughs> is he alive? Like, has he been oh. out in public? Yeah, I've seen a. I've seen a conspiracy. Yeah, he is. But I've seen a conspiracy about him. Let's start with the conspiracy that he's actually been replaced. 
By a clone. Clone. Yeah, him and you Kevin only Hart. ever see him now when his missus like doesn't wear a bra and goes out. Did he marry a random Aussie? Yeah, I don't think he married. Oh, him. Just dating some random yeah. Aussie. Yeah, chick. he's dating some random. They're like Aussie. Kanye's crazy. <laughs> so Give I him s- a fucking Aussie <laughs> shit. <laughs> of, of That's when they knew he lost it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, Jewish comments. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Take the Aussie chick. Yeah. He's gone. Of course, uh, on TikTok is where you see all good conspiracy theories, and it was some guy who was he got the height of his new girlfriend and the height of of Kim. Oh wow! Uh, and. And then put him next to him in both the pictures, and he's like way shorter or something. So, yeah. well, Kim Kardashian's oh, ass, her gravity's pulled her down, so she's, <laughs> she's not as tall as she used to be. Her ass and her tits have. Oh yeah, she's a, quite smart. Actually. She's got Kim a great Kim. center of gravity. There. <laughs> <laughs> she, she'd be an awesome footy player. She's yeah. never tackled. Mm. But um, we are back with one of our most popular guests. No, 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 not one of. The most, the most? Yep, easily well, the most downloaded episode we've ever had. Yeah, right. Yep, did Huge. you did like a, a, a fair chunk more than anyone? Sick. No mm. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of RAV4s and camels. <laughs> yeah. But um, we gave, we'll, we'll get started. I haven't heard the full story yet. Um, you've lost, potentially lost sight in your eye. We're not sure yet. Yeah, the left one's not doing too good. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, yeah, begin with this. Yeah. What, so you got whipped. I mean, I, I, from what I heard, you've never been whipped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're physically Someone whipped. achieved what no girlfriend before has been able to. <laughs> so, yes, I uh, strolled around the country with a bunch of camels for uh, three and a half years, fell off cliffs, got caught in fires, zero injuries. No incidents. I drive around the com- country two months in. Fuck. Bang, left eye gone. So... I was uh, made it as far as Canberra, so I was retracing the whole entire um, uh, trip to write the book. Oh, experience. Sick. cool! And um, yeah, throwing myself back into that mentality of what it was like out on the track, you know, back into three and a half a year ago, John. Yeah, mm. and so I got as far as Canberra, and uh, the Australian stock whip cracking champion was at this uh, place that I'd stayed along the way, and he goes, "Do you want to have a crack at the fifteen foot bull whip?" So it's got a six foot long pole and a fifteen foot cracker on it. Same. So I'm like <laughs> <laughs> and it's very hard to handle. Yeah. So I um, he said, "Oh, you, I, I warn you, you're probably going to hit yourself on the first go. Yeah. You know, everyone hits themselves on the first go. Oh, you're right." So he gives me a bit of a demonstration film, uh, film him doing it, hands it over to me. I get the cracker going sensationally. All right, yeah. uh, thirty seconds, only miss one. So I hand it back to him and um, I start to walk away and he cracks it either side of my head a couple of times and as I turn around to see what's kind of happening, he accidentally clips a blackberry bush behind him and it throws his aim off. Oh, no. And that cracker comes forward and nails me directly in the left eye with a little bit of twig as well. Oh, man. So when a bullwhip cracks, all right, it breaks the sound barrier. So that means it's going over 1,200 kilometres an hour. So I got nailed directly in the eye at 1,200 kilometres an hour with a cracker and a bit of twig. So you c- could you see sound? Oh, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I could taste oh sound. Oh, my God, bro. So that was... Instant pain? Instant pain. Fuck. But it's almost like it transgressed past the pain and, and, and it just got into this numbness. But I, I knew something was wrong straight up. Like... Mm. Uh, so there was a, it was immediate just cloud over. Yeah. And uh, they said, oh, you give it 15 minutes and, you know, she should be right. I'm like, I'm, what I'm feeling, this yeah. does not feel right. So they drove us down to the hospital and within three hours I was in, in surgery. Yeah. 
So as I'm going into surgery and they're getting you to sign the paperwork, to, you know, say this is the possible outcome. So yeah, like, well, you can't read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just look at the yeah. fine print. <laughs> so uh, they're like, there's three possible outcomes here. We might just be able to stitch it up. All right, there might be so much damage we'll have to remove the lens and, uh, and also stitch it up. Or if it's been damaged too much, we might have to remove your whole eye. Fuck. So sign off on those three possible outcomes mm. and then hope for the best. What happens if you don't sign? They don't treat you. I'm not sure. Yeah. I just signed. So, yeah, they didn't really come up with the alternative. Yeah, yeah. Like, Otherwise, back out to the waiting yeah, room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I went under. It's my first ever surgery. So. Wow. But I was, you know, cracking a few jokes on the way in and yeah, having yeah. a bit of fun. And yeah. Someone goes, oh, we've never uh, done surgery on a famous person. I was like, no, I was just homeless for a few years. <laughs> <with big people>. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah come out and it was uh, option number two. So they'd removed the lens. Yeah. Um, and so there's currently no lens in there. They put four stitches across the cornea. Fuck. Um, and it'll be about anywhere up to six months before they'll be able to remove those stitches and potentially look at, you know, is there enough of a strong foundation to build something back on it? What would Again? they do, like a fake lens or yeah, artificial yeah, fake lens? lens. Yeah. So the way your eye works, you've got 70% of your focusing capabilities out of your cornea, which is the clear kind of membrane over the front. Yeah. Um, and then uh, 30% of your focusing ability, which is mainly for distance and stuff, is yeah. that lens. Mm. So... Um, when they put the lens back in, then I'll be able to see through the cornea, but it's going to be quite scarred, and, yeah. you know, from all the stitching and the damage there. So I mm. won't really know what I can see until they maybe can put that lens back That's in. Scary. Now, did you just... <sighs> I know what it's like when I've, like, been hit in the eye and I can't see or if I looked at the sun and... The anxiety attack that comes over me, thinking I've lost vision, like, is indescribable and that's momentary. You've already making jokes about it and shit, which is an awesome attitude to have, but, like... Were you just full anxiety attack? Like, fuck, I'm mm. fucked here or what? Like, it was, it was weird. I was trying to describe it to someone the other day. Like, on the, on the trek, you'd run through every possible medical or accident kind of scenario. And then, and then you fall off a cliff. So mm. you're like, all right, well, I didn't see that one coming. So you just start to just put yourself in this state of preparedness. Yeah. Just ready for something to happen. Especially when you're so remote. You know, yeah. you're going through some of those Western deserts. The... The closest human being to me is the International Space Station yeah. as it flies over your head. Yeah. So because there's no one else out there, you get bitten by a snake or something happens, you know, find a tree and curl up. You yeah. know? And so you're just at that state of heightened preparedness. Yeah. And I was only five or six months off the track when this happened. So mm. you, you, I'm still not out of that mode. Yeah. And I was almost, because nothing really happened on the track which caused a major health or, uh, you know, injury kind of concern to us. Yeah. When this happened, I was just like, oh, fucking, there it is. <laughs> you know, it, was, it, it was a weird relief. It was just because I, I was just on the edge waiting for something to happen, and yeah. it finally happened. Fuck. So I, I can honestly say there's only been about, you know, 10 minutes or so in the last three and a bit weeks since yeah. it happened mm. where I've really gone to that oh, fuck, fuck yeah. place. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, there might be a delayed fuse or something that kind of comes up yeah. um, at some stage, but um, I think that was enough to get me through the period before I started to adapt yeah. mm. to it and start to realise that, you know, the vision for the future and what I want to do over the next few years... Mm. Pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 there's, there's still a whole lot that's possible. It's yeah. definitely an altered future. Yeah. Uh, but there's there's enough on my plate and there's enough in there to kind of sink my teeth into. That's, yeah. It's my nono lost his eye in a... Um, I don't know if I've ever told this on the pod. Mm. In, uh, when he was, I think, mid-20s, he was in a working in the forest and 
cutting uh, trees down and one of the hooks that picks up the um, lumber mm-hmm. sort of swung around and hooked him in the eye oh, and took no. his eye out. So he had left eye as well. Um, so he had no vision. So he couldn't um, drive a car later in life. So how are you going with that? Are you yeah, aso- that or like? aside from the autofocus on the uh, camera not recognising your face, <laughs> yeah. one, which for is why I had to go up and just adjust it. My iPhone's the same. It's <laughs> like, who are you? Yeah. Like, uh, your beard's gone. You've got yeah. half a face left. What the fuck I do? I was about to say, what, what? yeah, what are the sort of – and you were just alluding to that. What are the, Have there been some pretty – Big inconveniences. Oh, well, so you got time? three months before you're legally allowed to drive again. So I think that's just uh, you know going through the adjustment period, yep. and then you're fine for for driving, yep. as far as I understand. Um, and um, I haven't really checked into anything else. Yeah. I just kind of do it until someone says. Hey, Has your vision improved in your right eye? No, no, no. But it's still no. in the heavy lifting. Yeah, and it's doing it quite well, but. You'd go through periods of a few hours when you're like, you just start to get that build up attention behind it. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you just need to take a break. It's, it's had yeah. to step up to the plate. Have Does chicks it? got better looking? <laughs> <laughs> that depends on which side. <laughs> <laughs> now, at least now I've got an excuse. She came up on the left. <laughs> and for those listening, we got like, uh, what's Samuel L. Jackson's character name? Got that rocking that sort of version of the eye patch. Oh, oh, the from Avengers. Uh, he's the, uh, uh, who's the main fucking? I was oh, say Fury. Hawkeye, Nick, Nick Fury. Nick Fury. <laughs> Nick Fury. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so death perception and stuff is that? Uh, look, so, look, I'm uh, I'm nailing the paper basket basketball nice. kind of okay. thing, so I'm still doing all right at that. Yeah. But the other day, I went to pour a glass of coconut water, and you know, I didn't even realise that the glass. You know, a lot, it's about 500 mils adjacent. Yeah, to right. So okay. I think you just got to be a bit more conscious of, of that so kind of stuff. Yeah. But You'll uh, adjust over time as well. Yeah. So, fuck, fingers crossed. Mm. So. Oh, look, anything I get back, you know, like if I get 50% of the vision back, I would have been a year or more mm. without anything. So mm. at least I'll, you know, I'll be getting something back potentially. Yeah. So depends on how high risk uh, I take the, uh, you know, on the uh, regeneration okay. of the eye. Yeah. You know, there will be certain decisions to make to go, all right, you can do this, but there's going to come at this risk that you could lose yeah, the right. whole thing. That's what's that, pretty scary. What's that initial – because, uh, sorry, I was adjusting the camera before. Like, uh, what's that initial pain? Yeah, he said it was like, – Yeah, yeah, like it, it kind of – Yeah, it was really intense, but then it was kind of like immediately like numbed. Your body just like, shut it, it down? It was so intense, yeah. Mm. So I got hip and shouldered in the eye when I was playing footy. Um, I think I was 18 or 19. Mm. Went to pick the ball up, and the guy's hip joint fit perfectly right into my eye and depressed it. Oh. And the pain was some of the most immense pain I've felt in my life to this day. Mm. Like okay. I vomited from it, and like even just moving the yeah. eye was like excruciating. But oh, yeah. you take a hit to any of your balls, you know about it. Fuck. <laughs> but um, how's this in a in a in a strange? So my son comes over from the UK in September. Yeah, yeah with us. And he's visually impaired in his left eye. No way. Uh, and I'm like, this is how far I go to try and bond. Fuck. <laughs> 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 James Bond. <laughs> oh my god. Would it? Would it have? That's reverse genetics. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, like um, so his is from birth, so it's an issue behind at uh, the back end of the eye. Yeah. And mine's obviously an issue on the front end of the so eye. Between years, we got one. Good <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> so sorry, son. <laughs> um. Well, I was going to say, did it was there any concussion or anything from that? Because it's a no. big knock to your head, you know, no. like no. Uh, and after that happens, I was very fucking awake. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
the adrenaline. Yeah. It's funny, man, because like you have been making good jokes about it. I think that's almost the only way you can deal with it. Otherwise, you get down, hey? Like, oh, what's the alternative? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Get Davo and yeah, well, you can't do much now, can you? There's so. plenty of shit things about it, yeah. clearly, but there's. Um, it is an immediate appreciation of the remaining one. Yeah, fucking oath. Yeah. That's, it just backs onto if you're listening to these back to back. We just had um, Greg Hyron talking yeah. about gratitude. Mm. And literally, the first thing when John was talking is like, yeah, fucking making jokes about it and happy that he's got his eye. It's like, well, one of the it's th- really refreshing. Mm. Yeah, one of the things I, I kind of sold myself because you always come up with this mental arithmetic in order to try and get yeah. through things, right? So I, I know that at some stage in the next year or two, there's going to be a situation, a, a moment or a person or something that comes into my life that is just fucking incredible. Yeah. And at that point, I have to remind myself to thank this for happening. Yeah, yeah. Because I couldn't have had that second moment without this yeah. one. That's right. So i just got to stop and pause and, you yeah. know, Well, stop that. and pause and think right now. Yeah. <laughs> We're that incredible person. No, <laughs> <laughs> no but that's because yeah. so, what it stopped you from going around. Uh, what had you planned? Had you planned to do um, each stop that you went to with the camels to? Oh, just uh, it, just to go and uh, sit at the points of significance that yeah. I wanted to write about, and yeah, cool. to, to throw myself back into that uh, creative space, and and really throw myself because it, it was a very different person that started the trek to the one that finished. So yeah. it was quite hard when I started riding back in Perth, yeah, to throw myself back to those moments. But as soon as I started to get all the mental kind of triggers from redriving the trek and yeah. you know, hanging out with the people. You know, you, you're straight back into that mentality. And some of that was quite confronting because you, you're going through and you're watching your old Instagram stories, your video diaries and stuff mm. like that. And mm. you're like, fuck, that's the guy that left? Yeah. yeah. That is that is not how I feel now. That is yeah, right. not who I am now. Like a butterfly. Yeah. Like going through metamorphosis. It is so good. At, that is one cool thing about that Instagram story, the archive. You can go back and have a sort of a look yeah. through and, and that. And we've got that. Um, ability mm. with the podcast to go back and listen to our opinions and the way we think about things and it's see the evolution. It's incredible yeah. to just go, fuck, what sort of a dickhead was I then? Yeah. <laughs> and, and again, we, we'll get that opportunity in another 10 years to go, mm. what fuckheads we were then. But, yeah. like, you know, um, well, not fuckheads, but, or uh, well, some people would think we are. But, um, yeah, the evolution of a person as they yeah. grow and the things they. And Especially when it's journey based and you've got mm. the before and after. You know, T. S. Eliot said we shall never cease from exploration and at the end of all of our exploring will be to return to where we began and see the place for the first time. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. And it's almost like it wasn't until I came back and started to put myself in similar environments and situations and with similar people again that I, I, I didn't really notice how much I had changed until yeah. I was in that and experiencing that. Is T. S. Eliot your pen name? No. <laughs> he spells it wrong. Yeah. One L, one T. So right, we've got our first viral clip for the uh, episode there. Yeah. A nice quote one, but that it, that is true. Like sometimes you experience something and then you go back and see the same thing, the same people, the same occasion, and go, "No, nah, this is not me anymore." And, and you also get to see um, like the before and after picture and the progress that people have made, or mm. lack of progress that they've made. Yeah. So, um, it, cool story so a lot of people kind of talk up what their vision is and what they're going to achieve and and i got the before and after picture of four and a half years apart yeah but mm. my personal trainer shane smith nice guy and uh he was doing personal training in other people's gyms and he was like yeah i've got this dream i want to have my gym and i want to do this kind of stuff and um yeah you're like oh yeah cool cool and he's a fairly driven kind of guy as yeah. a lot of people in the fitness industry are yeah and um i come back and i say look i want to get straight back into my personal training again he's like here's the location and walk into the purpose-built gym like four and a half years done it 
mm. you know. Sick. And, uh, you know, uh, taking the time to appreciate people like that and, like, say to him, look, I've, I've got that four-and-a-half-year-before-and-after picture of you, mate, and it looks, yeah. it looks sensational. Like, well done on yeah. actually sticking to it. Yeah. And then on the other hand, you've got the same people talking the same game. Yeah. No progress. Mm. No, no, no change. Yeah. yeah you, or excuses. Being removed from... The world for what three, three, three and a half years. Like yeah. you would have that actual, you would see it. Yeah, you would see the lack of, literally side by side. Yeah, yeah. wow. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, it's good though because, it, well, sometimes good, sometimes bad. Like I've get, I mourn for that when like I hang out with people I used to and it's not the same. I feel sad, mm-hmm. but I'm like, oh well, time to change. Sometimes you see those people yeah. though realize that they have just been talking. And they haven't done what they said, and then they'll have an aha moment, or mm. like what we just spoke about with Greg, they'll reach their darkest moment and go, "Fuck, yeah, oh, yeah." Some, you some can be comfortable. You, it's got to get worse before it gets better for mm. some people. You yeah. know, they have to have that that reckoning, that moment of reckoning. Yeah, yeah. what's that? I've heard someone talk about it being too comfortable, uh, and you need to reach a certain level of uncomfort to to go, well, fuck, now well, I do need to make those changes. Well, that's one of the things I'd get on the trick. People would say, why? You know, and they're expecting, you know, why are you doing this? Why are you doing that camel mm. trick? And they're expecting a, you know, a health scare or a financial crisis, relationship breakdown. They're expecting some kind of trigger. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I had enough people around me experience that trigger. I didn't have to experience it in mm. order to kick me into action. Mm. And uh, it, but I knew that it, that the day of reckoning would come, mm. so I didn't really need that to go out. But it's funny. One of the things that happened over the period of COVID mm. is about halfway through, especially after the lockdowns and stuff, um, people stopped asking why mm. and they started asking how. Yeah, you know, like, is it like they immediately were on the same page? If I get why you want to escape, I get why you want to go and experiencing something different. Like yeah. it's like a whole population just immediately like got it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, is it hard to assimilate? And we you sort of touched on this in the last episode, I think. But is it hard to assimilate back into this? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hustle and bustle because you'd only just come back. Yeah. And you'd only just sort of tried to. I don't even know if you'd gone back to the office or maybe a couple of days in. And Yeah, I was, I was fresh off the boat, actually, um, when I uh, last came in. Do, and, do and you just look at people and go, you, well, you just don't know. You don't get it. Like, you don't get life. Or is it, yeah, it, is it hard? Yeah, because of your perspective switch. Like, you, you've experienced some pretty full on moments, like life or death situations. And then you come back into like the normal world mm. and you see someone stressing out or taking issue on mm. trivial s- shit. Yeah. Trivial mm. stuff. And uh, you know, you almost treat it like a competition. That's nothing in comparison to this, yeah. but mm. the feelings that they're having whilst they're experiencing it may be at the same level that yeah. you yeah. had. So yeah, you, so you can't, it, it's not a competition. You can't put it next to each other because yeah. the, the feelings might be exactly the same. You've yeah. just got to try and bring, relevance to the toolkit that you may have developed to try and maybe give them an example or yeah. help them through or support them through it. So, yeah. yeah, I try not to get too ahead of myself with going, mate, 
that yeah. is. That's yeah. fuck all, mate. I yeah. fell off a cliff with three fucking camels. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's actually that's an incredible not analogy, but it's an incredible way to think. Yeah, yeah. that is but such a. It's yeah. all environment and perspective. Like for me, if I fucking break up with a chick, it could be the end of my life, the end of my world. Yes, but for you. Mm. You'd be like, come on, man. You know someone else is going to come along. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it might be the equivalent of mm. you. Like if you, let's say, Scotty goes missing for half an hour, you're freaking out. It's the worst. Like yep. those things match up. The, yeah, the elevation but, of Yeah, for each person. Like if anxiety, you're a spoiled yeah. little brat and mm. you fucking, your Lamborghini breaks down mm. and you're stressing, that mm. could be the same as somebody having the car stolen for someone else. Like yeah. it's all environment and, and context. Yeah, oh, 100%. So. I, I would take a life or death scenario mm. and dealing with the stress in that over emotional trauma any day of the week. You know, bad breakup. I'll avoid it. <laughs> yeah. right? And it lingers yeah. for so long and you yeah. hold on to it. Yeah. Mm. All right. You, you know, you fall off a cliff and you, you know, you're having a beer Just with, a, with the the a fire is after you. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a good story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and maybe, maybe as guys, we're, we're just programmed to deal with those physical and, and stressful yeah. physical Potentially, scenarios yeah. more yeah. so than we are the the emotional For sure. trauma of a relationship drama. No, yeah. but there's no difference between a man and a woman, do I? I've found a couple in my travels. <laughs> a couple of small differences. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah the, the thing that was really cool was last time we hung around for fuck maybe like an hour and a half, we basically did another podcast. Yeah, after, yeah. And we learned a whole different like side of you, like a whole nother life that I was just fucking yeah. laughing and tripping out at. The traveling stuff, the adventure the stuff. The playboy stuff. Playboy lifestyle. <laughs> um, what was the news article that said that she, she kept it up her sleeve for a while and it was really funny? Oh yeah, something like Playboy, something or other. Yeah, it was funny. So at the before I had even begun the trek, but I was uh, right at the beginning. So I've done about a year of training, preparing, get everything ready to go, mm. and I get a call from the West, and they say I oh, would like to do an article about your trek, your camel trek. And I was like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so they asked me some questions, just purely about the camel trek, and I thought, oh, cool, it's going to go out to print, and then uh, call up mum. Hey, mum, I'm going to be in Saturday's paper. Yeah. So she's like, oh, great. Oh, no. She calls up her friends. Oh, my son's going to be in the paper. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, proud mum moment. Anyway, article comes out. Perth playboy millionaire ditches orgies to hump his way across the desert. Uh, <laughs> That's such a banger fucking title. Oh, <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell did they get that? And uh, So oh, I, I, I think it kind of uh, originated from a, a party that got a bit out of hand after the polo in the city. Um, and, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I wound up back there and I was having some entertaining times with a couple of ladies. <laughs> and I hadn't, hadn't really closed the curtains onto the balcony where everything kind of was, yeah. uh, all the guests were. And uh, they'd asked about uh, catering, a bit about food, so I'd, Jumped on Uber Eats, ordered 150 cheeseburgers and gone out <laughs> in my dressing gown and thrown that out. Turns out the Prince of Haiti was at the party. He had his hand up, grabbed a couple of cheeseburgers. He thought it was great. <laughs> and that reporter was apparently at that party yeah. witnessing this kind of thing. So this is from the, uh, you know, the old John, the, yeah. Yeah, the pre-Camel Trek John. So <laughs> she had incorporated that John into the, the, into the article The far well. more mature 
John, far more refined. Well, side John. by side, yeah, John. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. What but I think that's what things that appealed to. to people at the start. No, it was that contrast of, you know, mm. why would you have that uh, kind of lifestyle that some people are kind of really working yeah. their ass off to kind of head towards? Yeah. Andrew Tate lifestyle why would you, almost. Why would you walk away from that? Mm. You know, because we're pro- that that's that's what you should really achieve for, the nice car, the girls, yeah. the you know, big house and whatever you want. And if... If he's walked away from it, something something's wrong. Yeah. Something's wrong with him. Something something happened. Yeah, he did something. Yeah, <laughs> you know. So that kind of runs rampant for a while, and it took probably a few years into the trek before, like I said, people started to get it and go, "All right, no, I get he's just yeah. kind of going out Changing doing something different." Yeah. You just so what was it? What was it really? What what drove you? Do you think? Do you know? Do you think? Or do you think you just wanted to fucking try something different? You just adventurous. It it's like anything. There's like a seed that gets planted, and you just can't shake it. So I was took a trip to Antarctica, and this guy had hired out a uh, 120 capacity Russian icebreaker, mm-hmm. and he put uh, 120 Australian on, and New Zealand entrepreneurs on it, and. I went there thinking it's going to be great for my personal and business development. Might get a few clients, good for networking, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And plus, it's Antarctica. This mm. is going to be great. Yeah, sick. So I go down there, and there's some really big heavy hitters. You know, there's a couple of guys that are uh, the head of uh, ASX listed companies with a, over a billion dollar market cap. Yeah. And I had access to them, but I was drawn towards this other guy. And I first kind of met him. He's on the back of the boat, and he's got there his big kind of grey beard. He's smoking a pipe. Gandalf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I walk up to him and say, oh, mate, what are you smoking there? He goes, oh, you, you want to have a go? I said, oh, have a good go. I said, oh, what's that? And he's like, it's elephant dung. <laughs> I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, nasty habit I picked up in Africa. <laughs> All right. So this guy, his name's Jeff Wilson, and he had just completed the world record for the fastest solo uh, unsupported crossing of Antarctica. Yes. And he did it on a kite surf, dragging a sled, it was shaped like a pink pair of tits. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck? And he called it his boob slip. <laughs> <laughs> That's so good. And he was oh, raising money puns. for the McGrath Foundation. Yeah. And I was, it was like, oh, tell me about the sled. He's like, oh, I modelled it off my wife's boobs. But uh, <laughs> actually, it was two of the right, because that's my favourite. <laughs> <So> <laughs> two rights don't make a wrong. And this guy's just a vet from the Gold Coast. Wow. Right? And mm. he, like a know, veterinarian? Yeah. Yeah, right. And and he's, um, you know, you just imagine him like cool running style, dragging tyres down the beach, training and preparing for this thing. <laughs> yeah. mm. And he's just come out of nowhere onto the uh, Antarctic Explorer, you know, the polar explorer scene. Yeah. And just smashed this world record. On his own. On his own. Fuck. Has he ever had he ever done any like training or ice stuff like that before? He engaged a series of mentors from around the world that were like the best. Yeah. Right. Contacted them out of the blue and just said, you know, I'm Jeff from Australia. Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to navigate a crevice, you know, a yeah. ice crevice field, you know, and yeah, uh, I need to learn about weather down there. I need to learn about this. And yeah. he just engaged over a period of a couple of years these series of experts and just up uplinked and skilled. Mm-hmm himself up to, to just hit it that's so scary i was listening to um i'm listening to prince harry's um audiobook on audible and he did that but in the arctic he went with a bunch of retired vets that had been injured in war and, and he reckons it was like the coldest experience of his life he got frost nip on his dick Fuck. frostbitten dick talks about that so i was like if you've never done that before and you're going on your own he's <clears throat> did he have any damage or like Yes, yeah, so incidents or so lose a dick. Well, <laughs> on, uh, on the on the first, uh, so he, he's also he's gone down there again and set the longest 
uh, crossing record and first person to summit the highest peak solo unsupported. So wow. He did that at the age of 50, just before COVID. That's crazy. So I would love to know if there's any, any like... Well, he's, or well he's coming on on August 4th, so I'm very excited oh, about that. Yeah, so I want to know if there's any, like, aliens, aliens oh. or hidden bases or have you heard any weird shit? Oh, mate, oh, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll save that for him. Yeah, okay. I, I literally <laughs> yeah. cannot wait for that episode. Like, And I, I love you talking about it, but I'm, I'm literally erect already. Oh, yeah, I'm not going to be here, so give us a little teaser. Give us a little teaser. Well, he got frostbite in his stomach. Oh, wow. So he's getting dragged along by this kite, right? So he's got this harness kind of set up. Up mm. and it had lifted his kind of snow suit yeah. slightly up and exposed a bit. And so then he gets frost bright and it starts to get the gangrene. But because he's a vet, he's mm. capable enough, he was just cutting off. Oh. Are you kidding? So he could keep going without the uns- uh, you know, with the unsupported. Wow, every fat chick's booking trips to Antarctica. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Just doing liposuction on the cheap. Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, it wow. just starts hacking it. So that means Santa so Claus what is isn't real because his belly <laughs> would be fucking gone. Uh, yeah. So I mean, when we talk about like the seed getting planted, so I'm, I'm captivated, as you guys would be, I'm captivated by his stories, right? Yeah. Mm. And, and, and so when I leave the Antarctica trip, I'm going, all right, well, I had the opportunity to, uh, you know, I want to be one of these big shots in business, and I had the opportunity to learn off the people who are in that direction. Yeah. I ignored that. And I spent most of my time with this guy. Yeah. Why is that? I really need to start looking at why that is. Yeah. Because mm. maybe I'm not heading in the right direction. Yeah. So that's probably like the first seed that gets planted. And it's yeah. like once you start down that path, mm. it was about two and a half, three years later that I walked away. Yeah. And started doing the camel trek. Almost so that the was inception just the first. Yeah. of the first thing, little adventure. Was he a pretty cool guy then? You must Re- have got along really well. Yeah, really cool guy. Yeah. And, and I can honestly say from before that moment, every single part of my body, every single part of my mindset was about being the biggest and best business person I possibly could. Yeah. Mm. And we were talking with um, Greg before, like, is there a why? What was the driving motivation? Why did you want to be the biggest and best? Was it to have bigger parties, get more chicks, make more money? Or what was the driving thing? No, that? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think <laughs> you're just on autopilot. Right. Yeah, and and it's like I'm running everything through this like competitive and comparative yeah. kind of mindset. So I'm looking around at the people. I'm like, I want to live like that. Yeah, what are they doing? Yeah, um, and the thing about that competitive and comparative uh, kind of mindset is, no matter how far up the food chain you get, there's always someone just far ahead. You know, yeah. you buy that one million dollar boat and you pen it next to a two million dollar boat. Immediately, you're not good enough. Yeah. Mm. So that was enough to feed the beast and keep me going yeah. you know, on there, just constantly trying to get up another rung. Yeah. What's the... Um, <coughs> then you got the Saudis that just... I think that's what they call it, like blind <laughs> blind ambition. Yeah. You know? yeah. So like many you, iPods. You've got the ambition. What's that movie? Is it Into the Wild? Yes. When he just... goes pack, on, He, ki- he, dies, he dies. I know, he that's a tragic ending. He didn't figure out how to... ate the wrong berries, eh? Yeah. yeah, ate the wrong berries. But like that, still that sense of adventure of just like I need to fucking get out of this. This is yeah. not like I get that feeling sometimes. I get there's different ways though, right? Like of course, so maybe John's done it because because I reckon. Well, we have, the listeners don't actually know. Like you and I didn't know until after that we had the mad chats. Like from memory, you don't, you were part owners of a nightclub. You had like fucking any chick you want. You got like. 
I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't go that far. Well, <laughs> you know, you live in the like the like the Hugh Hefner lifestyle, from what I explain, what what I understand. Like it was pretty good. It was a, it was an enjoyable life. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I didn't I, did, I didn't leave because I disliked yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But look, I was happy with that being a chapter in the book, just not the whole story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't want to be that sixty-five-year-old guy pulling up to the club still trying to hook yeah. up with some twenty-something-year-old yeah. girl. Mm. You know, so, so, like, you've almost got, like, you, you're living the, the dream. Like, that's something that, like, oh, that'd be wicked. But for you, the escape was you've already almost reached that social status as high as you could possibly get, except compared to the guys on the Antarctica boat, mate. I, w- I wouldn't say that. I'd say I was just on, that was the path I was on. Yeah. You know, like, there was, there was a lot ahead of me. Yeah. Uh, definitely a lot ahead of me. But I, ha- I had enough on to, the way, yeah. to, to, you know, stake my claim and, yeah, and, and look, I, I left. What, like I said, when I loved it, I loved yeah. my job. Mm-hmm. You know, loved yeah. my company, loved all the people in there, um, which is great because now that I'm back, it's like you know coming back that's to an old silly. old yeah. mate. So that's great. And you are but to a point still in that corporate world to a point yeah. as well. Obviously, so it's still not like you've just you thrown enjoy. it. Yeah, and it's not, you haven't yeah. thrown it away, but you've I guess now understood that. That's not everything. There's yes. other things to chase. There's experience, 100%. life experience. But like, which is yeah. So the, the into the wild comparison was like for John, like his escape was walking across Australia for three and a half years with camels. Whereas for someone like you, us, it yeah. might be like this. Well, this or yeah. like I'm gonna go play footy for yeah. two hours. Oh, everyone's, like, everyone's got everyone's yeah. got their camel trek. Yeah. yeah, everyone's got their thing. That yeah. they need, you know, because you know, you, unless you're really doggedly determined and hyper focused, forty five years of our you know, career. Yeah. It'd be very hard to sit in that one lane yeah, and say, nice. this is, this is me and this yeah. is all I do. Yeah. I was actually having that, that thought, I think it was yesterday. Like why, like what, at what point do is what we're doing here, for example, mm. when is that enough? When is that like, oh, do we need a million dollar contract? Do we need a hundred thousand dollars a year? Do we need $50,000 a year? Or are we doing it right now? Yeah. Like we're already there. Yeah. I went to the sauna yesterday I went to the gym the day before. I got to pick up my daughter from school. Like, I'm sort of I'm there. I'm already doing it. That's the thing, man. I, I, I know I want the extra money or the contract specifically so I can just get rid of everything else and then go, yeah, this is it. But I already am doing it. You, mm. you are in 100% control to determine the factors of what success is. Mm. Right? So whether you say you're a successful or failure is, is completely up to you. Yeah. You get to determine the benchmarks which yeah. you need to hit in order to have it. Yeah, and, but we have a nature, I think, to self-improve, to put those benchmarks yes. just beyond where we are, which I think is not a mm. bad thing. Yeah, and that, yeah, that, of course, that doesn't mean we say that there's not drives and there's not goals and ambitions. Yeah, but, um, like yeah, I realised yesterday we're doing it. We're fucking doing. We're doing two pods today. I think we're potentially doing another two pods on the weekend. So like we're doing four podcasts in a week. Yeah. Like what the fuck? Like <laughs> yeah, we're doing something we really wanted to do for a long time. Yeah. Whereas I think two years ago we were struggling to get a time to be able to do one. Yeah, yeah. Now, well, still, it would be nice to be paid for it. Oh, uh, and that, <laughs> like that, this is all passion project. Yeah, and that, that's exactly what I'm, so, my point is. Like, it be, that's a great positive. That's a great yeah. thing. Like, if we can get financial reward for it, and then then it becomes this oh, is our anyway. income. Yeah, yeah, we're doing yeah. it anyway. We're already doing it. Yeah, so, so. that's the positive out yeah, of it. Yeah, trying to combine the passion and the purpose and yeah. get the financial kind of reward from it. You yeah. know, coming back from the camel trekker, you know, I, like I said, it's not the same guy that's come back. So mm. how does that uh, intertwine with m- now my corporate life? Yeah. Mm. So 
we've always participated in kind of community programs and uh, we were the first car- uh, carbon neutral insurance broker in Australia back in 2016, back before it was cool. Yeah, um, now it's a conspiracy. <laughs> <laughs> so now we want to ingrain those core elements of sustainability because after you've put foot across you know, every single state and territory in Australia and mm. you've been out there, you have a renowned connection and appreciation for it so yeah, we don't want to fuck it up definitely going to filter through into every single practice we have at the mm. core of who we are as a business so yeah. we're even rebranding uh the company now to really hit that home we've got a great event coming up um at uh the point rooftop bar yeah. uh beginning of august to do that rebranding that's why jeff's coming over um and uh, he's going to launch a wa launch of the next really cool project that he's got sick He's going to be the first person to hit uh, the South Pole and the North Pole in like one expedition. Wow. Crazy. Wow. Is that Project Zero? Project Zero, yeah. Wow. That's so he's going to start at one. Well, where do you start? Because <laughs> to get to one, you've got to start. Australia, of course. Yeah. Um, so. <laughs> so he's got a 30-foot, 30 30-ton 30 uh, steel yacht. 30 ton. Yeah. Yeah. Which for thir- a 30 foot yacht, that's a whole lot. So it, yeah. can, it can take on a bit of ice. Yeah. Mm. From Rockingham, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, docking at Geraldton with a yeah. special cargo. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I, I won't spoil it too yeah, much, yeah, but yeah. he's basically taking it down to that's Antarctica. And, and this one, he's taking his son as well. His son's wow. going to join him on the trip and a couple of other people down to Antarctica and then uh, and then up to the North Pole. I've heard it's extremely difficult to get um, a permission to go down there. Oh, yeah, especially like on his one where he uh, did the longest journey because mm. like every single uh, section's got a different country that kind of controls it. Yeah. And one of the things you have to do when you're down there is you have to prepay for your rescue regardless of whether you use it or not and have all of the right countries approving... Mm, wow based on where an incident could happen. Yeah. So you, uh, when you're a, a no nobody, no name, never done a polar kind of expedition <laughs> and, the, and you're going to the <laughs> Russian government, yeah. it's like, hey, Putin, yeah. Yeah. got a favour to ask. They're yeah. like, who the <laughs> fuck is this guy? We will ask the questions. Oh. Yeah, fuck. I mean, it's... And it's, it's uh, actually, how much, it's pretty chunk, it's a big chunk, hey, the, exp- the expense to get... Yeah, think, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a like fair bit of a fair bit of fundraising. But I mean, Jeff is uh, as much as he does a bit of fundraising that to uh, get these things to happen. Yeah, you know, he's a successful entrepreneur in his own right. He uh, owns ten odd veterinary clinics. Yeah, so sick. And is it non-refundable, or do they give it back if you don't get rescued? Uh, you'll have to ask Jeff. But uh, there's a fair chunk of it that's like non-refundable. It's taken. Yeah. yeah, that builds into the conspiracy. Yeah, mm. they're building something down there with the money. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> with everyone who doesn't get rescued. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no shit. Even I was watching um, <clears throat> just the other night, and I rewatched it. I don't know why I rewatched it. Uh, I think it was just whatever. Uh, Fourteen Peaks. Have you seen that? Yeah, that's pretty cool, right? Fucking, have you seen that? No. He, uh, I can't remember the timeline, but he tries to to climb the fourteen highest peaks uh, almost like the hardest peaks in nepal including the you know um in china and yeah and in that sort of mm. area and and he had to do it in a record amount of time and it was something someone had done all 14 peaks over about a year and a half or mm. something like that and that was the the record and he's like oh, i'm gonna do it in three months yeah mm. and he would go up and so you'd take four days to climb like k2 or something normally if you and were it, didn't he, it did one of them like 20 hung over yeah <laughs> like, like, just, like, just powered it hung, he was in a trough doing a peak yeah, yeah he was hung over and 
and did it in 24 hours when you're supposed to do it in four days. Yeah. So, well, like, you're maybe, supposed to go to camp one, sleep, acclimatise. Maybe we just found the cure to hangover. <laughs> <laughs> altitude. Yeah. <laughs> it just squeezes it out of you. Oh, and, but his, um, the, the, the expense and trying to get uh, sponsors, and mm. they're like, this isn't, um, this is not, okay, there's no monetary, like, there's no advantage to them giving any money. Yeah, he went, he went through so much, like, uh, trying to sell that, and people are calling him nuts, and he's trying to raise the money to do it, and he's putting his house up for grabs. And, wow. You know, Jeff goes through the same thing, and, so, you know, even when I was starting the, uh, the preparations for the camel trek, trying yeah. to get camels and that, mm. um, going out there, no one wants to support you, just some bloke from the city, so no yeah. one was really engaged with it until I'd been living out in the tent and living out in my swag for eight months and then people start to oh maybe this guy's serious yeah and you just get all these roadblocks kind of thrown up and and especially with the solo kind of expeditions Mm. that there's no support group around and you're sitting a lot of time in your own head and it's it's like the universe consistently asks you how much do you want this yeah Mm. you know and even once you start the trek and something happens how much do you want this yeah The, the week before i started walking on my trek I'd put in a place a CEO to run my company. Yeah. And he nearly tanked the whole thing. So I nearly Fuck. lost my whole entire company because uh, in 10 months, he spent more on recruitment than I spent in 10 years. Wow. Right? It was a mass exodus of people. I was nearly about to lose my key management team that had been there for nearly 10 years. Yeah. Um, so I had to fly back to Perth, uh, get rid of him, install a new management team, yeah. come back, and two days later start walking. And hope for the best. And, and hope for the best. Fuck. So I didn't know what kind of company I was going to come back to. Mm. Um, just very lucky that that long, uh, those long-serving em- employees, the yeah. team members, they they took it and they ran with it. Yeah, and that's great. You know, they, they they grew it over the next three years. They really kind of saved it. Without them, mm. I, I wouldn't have been able to. Did have you incentivise them, or were you just like, guys, I trust you. I back you in. I don't need. You, you put was there a new bloke that you, you? that you had come in? Was he a new fella or you had promoted him up from the ranks? Yeah, promoted him up from the ranks. And he was also a friend. He yeah, just, right. You know, uh, some people, things. as soon as you put them into a different dynamic, they, they kind of change. change. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah, that it's not meant to yeah. be in that kind of role. And yeah, um, yeah, and I was, I was pretty dark on that for, yeah. for a little while. But um, so as a business decision for any business owners listening, would you just say trust the people that you've worked with for so long or what was the lesson that you learned from that? Because that's really interesting to me because mm. I, f- I struggle. I'm like a one-man show, everything I do, my celibacy comedy, blah, blah, blah. but if I have to have someone host a quiz or whatever, if it's not me... You get nervous. I get really nervous and I, I would love to give off more responsibility or like does it delegate yep so how did yeah how did you find that process because from a business perspective i find it really interesting it's a a lot to expect one person Mm. who's not an owner to Mm. take on what you take on as as the owner and founder of the business because i don't care it's a lot to expect yeah to to step into those kind of shoes and and they're probably not never going to put in what you put in which is and you shouldn't expect them to like what you do to to grow this podcast a business whatever it is yeah you go above and beyond, and if you break it down to an hourly rate, it's, yeah. it's, it's not it's yeah. not great. What, what would our hourly, your your hourly rate would be negative like thousand dollars an hour? So it comes yeah. back to me in love, Delby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's very hard to expect. So um, having a, a, a three way management team, yeah. uh, where you're splitting the responsibilities. One of the things I did in that forty eight hours to set that management team up. Um, I put uh, on a whiteboard every single element that was involved with running and managing that company. Yeah. And then one by one, uh, someone would volunteer and say, yep, I'll take on that 
as a part of my yeah, responsibility, but you'd also have the buy-in from the other two to respect the authority of that person on that particular task. Yeah. All right. And if one person was down, we had one of the girls had a, a kid went on maternity leave. Yeah. There's two in there to step in and you know yeah. cover her and yeah. So that that pressure kind of comes off, and that's why I think they were able to work together yeah. so so well. So, yeah, replacing yourself with a few people, yeah. I think is it not necessarily. Uh, as their full-time kind of capacity they can be doing other things within the business but yeah. just to spread that not the necessarily the workload stress but the, like that stress load and yeah. that, that uh, even responsibility even to expect an employee to care about your company as much as you do is yeah. just it doesn't matter how much you pay them it's not theirs they're just doing it for money yeah so like um understanding that they're not going to have the output that you want yeah. to get what or you feel like you would be achieving is you have to deal with that because it's not theirs it's yeah. not it's and that's uh, one thing again you just brought that up with with your, your quizzes and stuff like that it's the same with me with putting movies and I was I had a kid doing some edits for me and I wanted him to do it quicker or or better yeah and realizing well he's just trying to learn and he's he's doesn't care about it as much as me He's like, I'm trying to get, oh, I need to get this job done, this job done, this job done, this job done. All quality. Um, I, I, I have to let go of that quality mm. control and go, no, no, i got to develop this guy. And, I was so lucky that they cared. Yeah. Like, I was very, very lucky. Yeah. You know, um, but it's a, it's a long-term kind of connection we've had. But yeah. you've, they also had the advantage, like, the boss isn't showing up or watching what you do yeah. for three and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they've got the freedom to make an error. Yeah. And I'm not watching and criticizing the error. Yeah, that's pretty and, cool. and then self correct and, yeah. and learn. So do you find that today actually helped them with a oh, like yeah. your yeah. direction now at now as a, a as stepping back into the role? Do you just let not watch them, not criticize or Oh, like uh, it's it's much easier to be on the sidelines more so than when I left. Yeah. But, you know, I've, I've still got to hold myself back occasionally. Yeah. yeah. But, you know, they, they for 12 months they got to watch someone shit the bed. So they're like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it, but I can do better than, than that. that guy. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it, took, it took the pressure off a bit. Yeah. Uh, one of the girls, uh, Rachel, she's uh, been my right-hand kind of girl for uh, 12 years now. And she just puts her hand on my shoulder as I'm leaving and goes, we promise it won't be worse when you get back. <laughs> <laughs> Set the bar nice yeah. and low. And Did they yeah. all give themselves nice pay rises when you're away as well? They restructure the finances. <laughs> <laughs> One of them did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I literally said in the last couple of pay reviews, I said, oh, yeah, just uh, whatever you feel is appropriate and don't, don't make don't me regret it. Don't take yeah. the piss, yeah. And I come back and, you know, looking through everything, I was like, <laughs> oh, you're doing pretty well for yourself, aren't you? Yeah, but like she she, back, she backed it up. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you, um, that's a nice segue onto um, what you've got started. What we we're talking about before the competition between each other. Mm. Uh, oh, and people that don't even know, we haven't really mentioned what your company was. Yeah, uh, so, oh, yeah. yeah, insurance broking company. So yeah. I started it back in 2008. Yeah, so, yeah, just a solo one man band when I first kicked it off. Yeah. And I'd only been in the industry for about 18 months or so. But, yeah, um, yeah I uh, originally had a, a, a – working in sales, various kind of sales jobs, and my father was in insurance broking. And he was always trying to get us across. And I was like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going to go out and do my own thing. Yeah. And then the appeal was uh, – he was like, in sales, you're only as good as your last week. Whatever you sell last week, you know, your commissions kind of come through from that. Mm. He's like, mate, if you sell to someone and do a good job and you're a good bloke in insurance, they come back the next year and buy the same thing. Mm. Mm. So I went in there. That was the kind of 
lure in. And after about 18 months or so of working with the old man, uh, he had a couple of other business partners, didn't kind of get along too well with them. And I sold a fair bit in this year. And they said, oh, we'll give you a $1,500 bonus for doing over 100 grand worth of additional sales. I was like... 1.5%. Yeah. Like, <laughs> fuck it. I'll do, I just head across the road and, you know... Do it myself. Do it myself. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah that's how kind of how it all kicked off. And um, at the start, I didn't really know anyone in business. And yeah. uh, I wrote a list of any of the business owners that I knew and it was five people long and that was a stretch. Yeah. You know? So, I, I just didn't care what I was selling at the start. You know, if you yeah. wanted your home, your car, whatever. And I just built so just up this any insurance. Anything yeah. at all. And yeah. just started going out to any event, anything I could, and just trying to get myself out there. Yeah, right. And um, hustler. Yeah, just slowly kind of built, and I was just prepared to put in more hours than yeah. a lot of other people. So, mm. Did you have a specialty in the end of something, or was it just you wouldn't insure anything? Yeah, so we ended up uh, branching out to... Cameron branching. <laughs> <laughs> we ended up branching out to uh, focus on a lot of tradies and subcontractors and mm. uh, take that, um, uh, that process online. Yeah. So, yeah, we... It looked at about 1.8 million subcontractors yeah, around right. Australia. I'm like, that's a pretty, pretty sizable kind of chunk of market. Yeah. And we were just one of the quickest, cheapest and easiest to buy it online. So that kind of skyrocketed. And yeah, that's then, awesome. And then we got our more traditional kind of broking, which, uh, yeah, a- anything from your mum's and dad's businesses through to your corporates, mining companies, yeah. whatever. whatever. Mm. That's cool. I mean, the thing I always struggled with was um, insurance for uh, what I do, which was like, for some reason, we need public liability and something else for performing. So if we set up a stage and someone falls over it, or if we fall over at a venue. So I think Lucky Duck. If you get hit in the eye with a fucking whip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, yeah there's, al- there's always little niches where you get into. But um, now you've created a company that's having a fundraising competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is uh, pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, obviously, it, uh, like I said, after the, uh, the trek, we kind of, um, I really want to ingrain sustainability in every single aspect of what we do as a company. So mm. right from the clients that we focus on, anything in renewable en- energy and not-for-profits. And mm-hmm. we've been working with a couple of not-for-profits, one in particular, One Heart Foundation. So they set up sustainable communities over in Kenya, Tanzania and Uganda. Mm. Amazing guy who started this, Dean Landy. And, uh, Is he an ex-Olympian? No, no, no. He's or Peter Landy or something? No, yeah. I think Peter Landy. Okay, yeah. Now, this guy's an architect and town planner from over in Melbourne. Cool. Um, and so he knows how to s- set up and establish a community. Yeah. yeah. But he has these all like self-funding. So you might, you have a hundred orphan and abandoned kids and they kind of get looked after yeah. and they've got all their schooling. But they create the level of schooling so high that anyone with a bit of money in the area wants to send their kids there. Yeah, right. So they get another three to four hundred students that pay the way for the other hundred. Oh, that's pretty smart. And then they've got farming, agriculture, um, they've got bakeries, yep. uh, skills training centres, all this kind of stuff in there that help generate income to support the whole program. Yeah. yeah. So based off the success of the one that they had in soy uh, in Kenya, they've now taken these to Uganda and Tanzania. Yeah. So they, they do this, a couple of cool experiences. One's the Run from, provi- uh, run from Poverty, um, which is a marathon that they do. You raise up to $10,000 and then you pay to kind of go over there and you get to run a marathon at high altitude in, yeah. in Kenya. I'd get a sub in and get, he'd do it in an hour. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I've only ever done two marathons, both over there. Yeah. Um, 
first huh. one I did a bit of training for. Yeah. Because uh, when Dean first approached us and said, oh, would you like to do this? I was like, mate, I'll raise you some money, but I'm not doing a marathon. Yeah. I, was, <laughs> I was 124 kilos. Fucking and hell. And I'm like, mate, Jesus. I'm not Jesus. going anywhere near it. <laughs> yep. That was in January. Yeah. And then uh, and the marathon's in July. So I call him up in May and I'm like, mate, I haven't been drinking since then. I've dropped 30 kilos. Wow. I, I'm keen to get, uh, take it for a run. Fuck. Let's do it. So. Yeah. Ran my first marathon and then I was a bit cheeky second year. I was zero training. Mm. Didn't do anything. I was like, I've done one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How hard can it be? So I'll train once I start going overseas. Sounds like branchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just leave it till last. To leave last minute, yeah. yeah. And so I went to Hamburg in Germany to a concert. Um, had a bit of fun there. Then I went to uh, Seychelles, thinking yeah. I'll do some training in Seychelles. But like I was trying jog, jogging down the beach, and then some local just ran straight past. I was like, "What's the point?" <laughs> Mojitos for another week, <laughs> yeah. and then rocked up with zero training to, on the start line of yeah. this of this marathon after a fairly heavy night on the turps. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but yeah, struggled through that one. Got Fuck through that. Hell. Now they've got this trek from poverty. Um, so to support their work in Tanzania. You go over, you check out some of the work they're doing in Tanzania, then you do a trek up uh, Mount Kilimanjaro. Mm. Trek to the top, uh, come down, and then um, head out to the Serengeti for a safari. So that's got a 15 grand fundraising target. Yeah. I reckon one of you boys got to sign up for this year. Nah, well, it's quite serendipitous because anyone, all the listeners that may have heard us say that me and Stevie want to do the, the Mount Kilimanjaro as our next challenge. So I think. We might do could, that. Could be an alignment there. And mm. then podcast from the top ha. of Mount Kilimanjaro. Oh, cool. That'd be great. Come, Delby. As a trek. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but is that when you can't? I can't this October, but next October. Um, I can't this October. Can't it depends on... I've got... Um, not this October, next, next yeah, October. Next, next yeah, October, next yeah. October, yeah. October, October yeah. I'll do We'll it. lock the dates in because I think I've only booked one wedding for October at the moment. Mm. He can be our Sherpa. Sherpa. <laughs> <laughs> Sherpa. I'll do it. Like, I'd you go, can I'll be our Sherpa here. up the mountain of Guinness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was that Zach and, that yeah. Zach and Mary make yeah. a porno? <laughs> I, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, yeah I'll, I'll be keen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, trekking a mountain to me is more appealing than running Fucking kilometres. Yeah, yeah, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because it's rewarding. You to get see, to the top, beautiful like, view. It's, yeah. it's challenging, I'm sure. But yeah. that was the one we wanted to do. So that's quite serendipitous. Yeah. I've been using that word quite a lot lately. Serengeti-dipitous. Serengeti. But I, it sounds incredible as well. I never got the point in, of marathons. Yeah. Like, so you just Especially two. when you finish it. <laughs> especially when you see, like, the, the finish line is also the start line. Ah, yeah, it's you know, all for, it's for nothing. Yeah. These people who do them for fun and are fucking... I, I, and I love I, I love people who try and do, and do these challenging things because I've obviously done two ultras and <clears throat> all that. But people who do them for fun are fucking psychotic. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're not psychotic. But there's fucking something wrong. Like yeah. I, I do them to raise money. <laughs> I do yeah. them for a cause or to challenge myself. There's got to be something that, like at that hard moment. There's got to be like serotonin, something boost. that keeps you going. Yeah. You yeah. know, let's go. Ah, like, oh, you know, it's for the kids. Or yeah. Yeah. Something like this. yeah. 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 You know, well, the ru- they, whatever the, if the runners hires legit, then that's probably what they do. 
they get like a, a high from it. I've never had there a would run be as high yet. Who run competitively, I guess, as well. But um, so, what have you? Are you running? You're running a competition because are you going to do it regardless? Or? Yeah. So what we do uh, with the staff, and I haven't actually announced it to them. Oh. Uh, so we'll. Uh, yeah, we'll clip it up. Hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to put a uh, annual kind of fundraising target in them that they've got to hit, or that uh, they're in competition with each other up until uh, about a month before mm-hmm. uh, the mm-hmm. uh, the trek. Um, whoever gets the highest uh, amount out of the fundraising gets a all expenses paid trip over to do the experience through yeah. the insurance. Uh, through the insurance broking company. Oh, company, yeah, and then not only that, you get the fifteen days off your annual leave, so you don't need you don't need annual leave for yeah. it. Oh, you just because there's got to be some people that have no interest in trekking up yeah. <laughs> Mount Kilimanjaro, and yeah. they're probably the kind of people that would really like fifteen <laughs> days off. Yeah. So you can team up with someone else if you want yeah. and split it. You yeah, know, someone can take the experience, someone can take the fifteen days yeah. off, and you've got the insurance covered. <laughs> yeah. Do you insure them for the trip? <laughs> I, like I said, I'm a bit more onto it these days. So I'm, I'm very lucky. Like I've got uh, travel insurance that yeah. covers me for the eye. Nice. Um, I've got my own income protection and TPD cover. Sick. And then obviously there's the public liability for the place where it happened yeah. as well. Yeah. So. Like that's actually interesting. With your eye, would you have insured yourself so you you looked after? Or yeah. Uh, yeah, because. Yeah. Because there's all those tricky loopholes with your fucking super and all all that that just fuck you over. Yeah. Well, I looked at a disability in cover from my GSB, and it's like a one-time payment of like a hundred grand or something. If you're disabled for life, yeah. that's fuck all. Like, uh, it's <laughs> funny. I'd, I'd always look through like uh, the the policy coverage and the, the mm. amounts in there, and you're like, oh, it's two hundred grand for uh, you know. Three fingers, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Look at it, it's not until you get like you lose an eye that mm. you're like, fucking 250 grand, yeah, it's an eyeball, yeah. yeah, you know, yeah, it's I don't under like, but then you look at, yeah, because I the amount that you have to pay to increase your coverage, it's like, well, yeah, it seems like extortionary, but yeah, because we, we we only do the general side of things, so you know, I'm, I'm got a basic understanding of the you know, the life side but mm. it's not it's not my forte mm. Mm. so yeah it's not until you you get hit in the eye that you kind of really go oh now i've got to look through and yeah, you know, yeah. Have a look at it so each person has to um come up with a their own fundraising idea yeah, yeah. so you just pretty much leave the creative juices flow so to, cool. to whatever they want to do and then we'll probably just run some support for them so if yeah. they need some advice or can you choose your own charity that you want to fundraise for? No, it's got to go towards to the go one to the heart heart to for action. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry. Cool. Sorry, stitching time. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, uh, you were talking about it before, and that's obviously fucking awesome. But um, when you yeah you've had your accident, you were traveling around trying to see these points. Yeah. Uh, in which, how far into the trek did you get, and how much did you see? Because it must have brought back some. Some stories, potentially ones that you didn't tell on the podcast as well that you've sort of remembered. Yeah, so it was about 2,000 Ks into the 12,500 Ks. But yeah, okay. a, a lot of the stuff down the East Coast, which was the first five or 6,000 Ks of the trek, mm. that's where a lot of the action happened. Yeah, you know, yeah, once yeah. you start to get out to Central Australia, there's big gaps of Holland. So I reckon I was about one third of the way okay. kind of through what I was writing about. And did it like trigger certain... <clears throat> like memories of moments where you go, fuck, I'd completely blanked on that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, plenty of that. And, and also from catching up with the people that you met along the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they'd trigger a few like, uh, do you remember this kind of thing happening here? Uh, and 
it was kind of nice. Like you, you're going around, you're re-meeting a lot of the people you met along the way and when you're going through and you, someone puts up their house or their paddock or opens up their doors to you, you kind of leave and you wonder if they thought that was just a relationship of convenience. You know, I just needed a paddock and so, yeah. you know, when you come back through intentionally and you're taking your time to go and stop in and catch oh. up with the people again, yes, you're kind of locking in these lifelong friendships where yes. you feel you could just come back any time after that. And mm. you're like, all right, now you've come out of your way just to come back and see us. Yeah. So that was probably one of the most beautiful things that I was experiencing on that redriving at the track. Yeah. I guess um, <clears throat> when it comes to like those connections that you build, you, you, would, you, you would have that, sorry, um, Delby, um, you would have that, uh, initial thought that, oh, uh, yeah, he is. Oh, he, he needs need places to stay. Yeah. But yeah. the fact that you'd go out of your way and do that sort of stuff. Um, and I always find that sometimes, uh, like these relationships you build just in life, and you feel like it is, oh, they needed a job or they needed this work done, or, uh, you know, you were helping them, you were a coach in football or whatever the fuck it was. I'm naming things that are localized to me. But, uh, and then they message you you know, two or three years later and just say, hey, you going? Want to catch up for a beer? And then you realise, no, they weren't just using you. They were. And it does mean, it does create a, a we're going back to connection, what we were talking about with uh, Greg High in the last episode. It's it's great to form those connections and I think it's good. And especially in the corporate world, um, before I left, it, things start to do, uh, start to feel very transactional. So, mm. you know, like it's mm. a very transactional relationship. Why, are you with me because of the network or am I just with you because you're a potential client and yeah. so you start to feel viewed and you start to view things quite transactionally. Yeah. Mm. So you'd have a few friendships that would fall out of that, but that's really feeling like that's yeah. what the to and fro is. So mm. I think now coming back as well, um, I'm very much more connected again being relationship-based. Yeah. I think there's a fear with that as well. Like when it comes to business, you almost don't want to become too friendly because if you need to do something, that's going to fuck them over or like put them at a disadvantage or if you've found something that benefits yourself more and you need to move away, mm. having that strong friendship gets in the way of business as well? No, I've, I've, no, I've, the other way? No, I've always been pretty connected with that. Like, yeah. So it would it, take a lot for me to make the business decision over the friendship yeah. decision. Yeah. And, and that's probably one of the things that's hindered me to yeah. some degree. Yeah. You know, because but not in a bad way. Like it may be financially, but fuck – yeah, it's the, the connections. Yeah, and I but I have, I've experienced it mm, and yeah. uh, and definitely seen it firsthand of people that are very quick to make that decision of sorry mate, it's just business. Well, yeah. you can even see uh, it, take it to sporting coaches. Certain coaches have different tactics. Some coaches don't want to be your friend; they want to be the boss. Yeah, but then some coaches, and it's becoming far more common. This one is to be create a relationship with the players, create bond, create like you trust me to make this right decision, I trust you to make that right decision. So there's, I think there's pros and cons because the militant like I'm boss, I don't want to be your friend, I'm here to make decisions and you know, you follow what I say, that has merit but eventually it wears thin and they want to – and you see it with like someone like a Ross Lyon is a perfect example of that in the AFL. He's a very militant like I'm the boss, you do exactly what I'm saying uh, – and it works because the structure works and maybe financially in a, in a business model that works. But long term, they fuck off. They don't care about you as much and they're not going to push as much as they possibly could. Same with in business. You just said you left for a year because you had that connection with them. Potentially, maybe it is a risk, but at the same time, they cared a lot more to be able to put in the mm. extra effort when needed and requ when required. Hey, and I found that before I left, I 
had a habit of wearing a couple of different hats. You know, so you got the, the business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so you've got your, uh, you know, this is me in the office, this is the work, John, this is me in front of a client, this yes. is me out partying, this yes. is me with my friends or family. Yeah. So mm. you've got a couple of these different personas that you think, I'm, I'm trying to bring the best version of me to that particular uh, mm. pursuit that I have at the time. Mm-hmm. So one of the challenges that I set myself when I first started preparing for the track uh, was to try and bring it all under one roof. Yeah, cool. So I did a couple of blogs and that are still out there, which were talking about um, when I, just before I started my business, I had a suicide attempt and uh, so I just put that out on the table. Yeah. You know, as a CEO, you can't show signs of weakness. You can't, you know, uh, show vulnerability. And I never really felt uh, comfortable sharing that story. And then I was like, put it out there. It was a little bit easier. I'm over Reese, so I can just you know, blog it and just send it back over west yeah. and, and put it out there for all to see. Um, you know, put up any issues that I was uh, concerned about or struggled with and some stories about uh, who I was to kind of bring all of those me's under the one roof. Yeah. And there was an immediate kind of sense of relief. Yeah, It's kind mm. of like now it doesn't matter who I'm in front of, right? Yeah. You, 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 just get, you just get me. Yeah. All right? And it's... You know, you, you do slightly kind of sandpaper off some edges if you're in front of a client and stuff like that, yeah. but the genuine you kind of shows through. Yeah. So whether I'm now back in the CEO role, whether I'm on this podcast or whatever it is, you just get the one kind of guy, and it's so much more relaxing. I'm not having to worry about what I said to who. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things when you start, you know, speaking publicly or doing this kind of thing, it, it, it's very hard to maintain any kind of line. Yeah. yeah. Being authentic is the most important thing. Yeah, yeah, I think. Well, in, in my industry, um, which is just stand up, and t- I'm gonna be who I am, like you said. Yeah, yeah be yourself. You. People believe, like, you're believable. You're not like a fucking character here. And then if I MC a wedding or get on the pod, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially who I am. Hmm. Um, there. So a that's dickhead. really yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's refreshing to hear. And I, I would, I'd believe, like, being so vulnerable with what you did, almost like a th- cathartic experience by yes. just going, here's my vulnerabilities. And then you're not holding on to them anymore. Going fuck, are they going to find out that I'm yes. that I'm weak or that I'm I've done this? You can just go fuck. It's right here. This is me. It's done. and it was a lot easier being on the other side of Australia. Mm. You know, like so, like a wall. Like, I'm posting it online, uh, but then I'm out in a tent in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So I'm not having to deal with the immediate repercussion of the of the opening up or you know of the admissions or whatever it was yeah yeah because uh gary v's big on that big on the being your authentic self because eventually they're going to find out um and he's one of those people who he was told oh we can put you on at this keynote and this keynote and make more money if you stop swearing and he's like that's not me yeah Mm. i I swear that's who i am sorry and he leaned in and people actually uh, identified with that and they sort of started to resonate with the world, man, mm. um, with what he was saying because he was real. He was authentic. He was himself. And some people think he's a fucking cockhead, but some people really resonate with that. And when you niche down on who you are, you don't have to pretend to be anything else. And yeah. then, uh, then it, yeah, they, like they follow you. Girls, live your truth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I suppose that's the journey past being the people pleaser because a lot yeah. of us sit in there in that people pleaser phase where we're, you know, when we're, 
toning down ourselves or slightly modifying ourselves. Mm. It's the version that we think that person kind of wants. Yeah. Mm. And you do that unsuccessfully a few times. Like mm. you really tried and you <laughs> had the good like, attempt. This is me. And you yeah. still <laughs> think you're a cunt. You're just like, oh, well, I may as well just lean into who I am because yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to get anyone anyway, you know? Yeah. Fuck, I hate that. Actually. I hate that as well, man. Yeah. Oh, it's so annoying. It's like, man, yeah. I've, I've tried this, I've yeah. tried that. Please think I'm cool. <laughs> 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 just like fuck it man yeah that comes with maturity as well and, and a little bit of like support and emotional resilience i'm still a people pleaser but nowhere near like what i used to be like almost yeah. like the the josh thomas show please like me yeah yeah you know you're oh. like oh, fuck it i don't know what i'm doing wrong i'm trying to fucking and then eventually you just gotta go that's why I don't even try and be cool anymore. There's well, no you succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> I don't try to be like I'm not. I'm a fucking idiot. Like yeah. I like being the idiot, and I don't know if that makes me cool for not caring. But like that's that's what I want to be. I want to be. A, I know. I'm a secret nerd, man. I yeah. like nerding out. Like well, I, fuck, I, I like Marvel. I like fucking. We're trying to make a podcast. Like we've been like the like we're leaning into some of the most. Like not nerdy, but it's just like, oh, you think you can do that sort of, do you? Mm. It's not the, it's not what a cool guy does. A cool guy sits at the back of a bar having beers, and you know, stereotypically is the the one that everyone wants to chat to. But or is I mean, a playboy millionaire having yeah. orgies, humping yeah. his way? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you think it's hard to step into someone else's shoes when you're mm. trying to be someone else? I can think it's fucking harder to step into your own and try and be yourself. Mm. Like, there's nowhere to hide. Then it's you. So. Yeah. It's like I had this uh, moment in the last year of the trek where there's no internet, there's nothing, you're not seeing another person. So you go through like a five, six week period where you're not scrolling through the gram. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and you stop seeing things through this, like, like I mentioned before, that competitive and comparative kind of landscape. Yeah. And it's almost like uh, for the first time you're having genuine thoughts and you're being able to have discussions with yourself that aren't run through that filter mm. of what am I in comparison to or what am I not in comparison to what I'm saying? Mm. Yeah. And so it's almost like you're starting to be able to figure out what your own actual intentions and goals are for the first time, not through that competitive lens. Yeah. It's pretty confronting as well, hey? Sometimes you think you're one thing and you're not. Yeah. Or sometimes it's really nice because you're like, oh, I always thought I valued this, but really but I it's care more about people or whatever it is. And it's, it's okay though like, to have the fun. Like you've lived a fun life as well. You've travelled the world, done fucking stupid things, but that's fun. That's yeah. it's and and I'm sure you like telling the stories. Like you told us some of the stories after the podcast, some of your travel stories, and you've seen the world from different perspectives. That must open up your eyes as well. Like, but not not like just opening up your eyes. You've got to look back on that and laugh and go, I've still had fun. It's not like an immature version of myself. It's someone. It's a younger guy who was trying to experience life. And I think now as well, like uh, um, having spent so many years in trying to compare myself in the business world and mm. you know uh, measure success on that basis you go out and do something really weird like this and now mm. i've come back there's been several other people in the industry and other industries that have really surpassed like really leapfrog straight over me yeah. and i don't have that feeling anymore of like competitive pressure mm, i'm like yeah. now my story's a bit weird yeah. I love my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like now I'm Jeff at the back of that boat. Yeah. yeah. You know, and yeah. I, I feel great. So someone could be two, three, four times yeah. have acquired more, you know, more wealth than I have. Yeah. And I'm like, 
I'm good. Yeah. I've got enough to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I just spent four years sleeping in the dirt. The <laughs> benchmark yeah. for what I'm prepared to live like is, is, yeah. is changed. That's well, so good. I never asked you this on the first episode, and I should have I, I should have asked you, what is the Will mind... Will you sponsor the party? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> but what's your mindset going into a track for three years, or I guess unknown amount of time, knowing potentially you could die on this trip? Like mm, that mindset must – that's f- f- courageous in a way or is it blind ignorance? Like I, I don't know. What, what's your sort of mindset going into that? Uh, you run through the thought of returning back home not having completed it. Uh, mm. There's no way I want to be that guy. Yeah. Like that almost seems like a lifelong sentence of fate worse than death. Yeah, he tried to do this but he failed. Yeah. Like, cause, but then that feeds into, like, what are other people thinking, da-da-da. But then you got to live with yourself, like... Yeah. yeah. It's like you want to be the guy that's completed it. Yeah. You know? If you had have failed and had to come back, would you have done it again until you finished? Or you would have just done it regardless? You, you would have had to come up, like, whether it's some mental arithmetic, in order to come up with how, how can I spin this into a success? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the, the moments that I was having to contend with... Uh, whether it's any of the rescues or when it's really kind of pushing us, yeah. the thought of it being over and that being a fail and then having to live life after that as a fail, yeah. that was way more daunting than mm. yeah. making a decision. Because it was so publicly, you were so publicly, I'm doing this. I but guess. That's, that's our overthinking of how much someone else is thinking about what we're yeah, doing. That's yes. right. Here I am out on the camel track thinking, what are people back home going to be thinking? Mm. Everyone back home. Yeah, yeah, they just not like, fuck, i get my taxes in. Yeah. Not giving a shit. Not yeah. giving it one second thought. Yeah. I'm giving it a lot more thought than they are. But yeah. But it's... Uh, it's it interesting, Matt, that we think that people think so many things about us. They don't give a they fuck, fuck no about us. No one gives a fuck about anyone but themselves, really. When they really do deep down, they potentially care about their, their family members' health and close friends' health and, and well-being, but... To a point, they won't prioritize it above their own. So yeah. it's always you're still always self interested. Yeah, you can be like a supportive of a friend, and you can be supportive of those around you. But we're all selfish creatures. Yeah. So I think understanding that yourself, you end up realizing that there's nothing really to worry about because no one really does give a fuck whether yeah. you've done good or bad. Even if it was a fail, it wouldn't have been a fail because you would have achieved so much to get to that point. Yeah, no doubt you would have just gone right. Next time I do it, or in three weeks when I recover from this, I'm just going to go there, and when I get to that point, I've mm. learned from it, and I'm going to go here. Well, I mean, w- think when we got out of Canberra and we experienced the bushfire, did I talk about the bushfire last time? You did you take a wrong turn? Yeah, you, or it something? made you divert. Yeah, no, Ish. so that, yeah, that was it. That was it. Uh, the one in Tassie. So the one coming out of Canberra is like when all the bushfires were up and down the east coast. Yeah. Mm. So I got into a place called Brindabella, and I was camped out there for about ten or so days. People were offering, look, we can come in, maybe truck you out. Uh, because I'm having yeah. to walk through pretty close to a front line to get past it. But I'm like, I'm only just over 2,000 k's in. I can't let go now. Yeah, mm. yeah. So I voluntarily chose to, as soon as they said, like, you've got three days to get to Tumut, 100 k's away. I, I voluntarily chose to go through a pine plantation, through yeah. Bondo State Forest, uh, within three to four k's from the front line. Yeah. Even though that's... Pretty much, if I come through a, a state forest like that, you're, you're cooked. Yeah. yeah. It, that was much better alternative than getting trucked out and finishing. Yeah. Wow. And then you're like shitting myself for the first day, like uh, getting like burning alive is 
Yeah. Terrible. So I'm feeling this complete lack of control. So I get my 308 out, uh, load the magazine, and chuck another five or six bullets in my top pocket. Just in case. Yeah, and I'm like, I would just shoot the camel, shoot the dog, and shoot myself. And felt immediate relief. Yeah. You know, like, oh, well, because it was like, I'm back in control. Yeah. You know, like, it's like, Maybe I could burn, or this one here, at least I'm calling the shots, and just walk forward with confidence. And it yeah. wasn't until like a day or two after when I'm in Tumut that I'm like, you just loaded your gun <laughs> to shoot yourself, and went, oh, thank fuck. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> oh, wow. Perspective. But that's cool, man, because you did take, uh, although it's like a pretty fucking morbid subject, you took control and ownership. If it was going to end, it was going to end on your terms and not on anyone else's. So... And it's a... It's controlling a, what you can control. It's a weird mindset to realise that you've gone through. Because mm. everything in there is voluntary. Mm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. like So there's no other situation that I can blame or just bad luck or yeah. anything like that. Mm. You know, there is a get out of jail at every single point of that yeah. that doesn't involve, you know, burning alive or shooting yourself. Yeah, yeah. I think um, you would be an excellent um, participant for Survivor. <laughs> Would you ever do Survivor? Oh, I don't know. I yeah. don't know. I reckon you'd fucking nearly win. The the reality TV thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I'm not too How sure. However they want to spin you. So, uh, so I think you've got the resilience. Married at first sight, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like fucking Survivor, <laughs> man. <laughs> Good luck getting out of life. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I've, tell, I've toyed with like applying for, I wouldn't want to do Married at First Sight, fuck that, but like something like The Bachelor. Because I think that would be wicked just to boost my comedy tours. No, I'd love like a, <laughs> Tell me I'd love to be in a, like a crossover of like you know Survivor, Survivor and Bachelor, Matt, so, so, you <laughs> know Survivor <laughs> Bachelor. Yeah. Married at first Survivor. <laughs> Fuck a dating Survivor game would be nuts. Mm. Fucking. What's, I think what's the mo- it's called Alone that series. Yeah, but yeah. I think together. the only one I would do is uh, Amazing Race. Yeah, that'd be cool. And be the cool. alone, the fun. alone one would be very cool. Well, you'd almost done it. I, I, I'd be keen to do it. Yeah, yeah. I Have think because you, you can apply. Uh, well, do you? Th- yeah, that's. Do you think like those? Uh, actually, that's probably one that you you couldn't just do it. You'd have to nah, do it. You'd have to do it as a team. No, but, but that 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 would be the best. Like, there's other people that was like, oh yeah, I've been living in TPs for fucking seven years, and yeah, you yeah. know, shoot shit with a bow and arrow. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh yeah, I've been in the office the last twelve yeah, months, yeah, but yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> looking for some time yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, you know, and out yeah, there just digging up worms and yeah, I having think, a ball. Mm. I think. Do you the, think you could? Like I know you jest, no chance. But I know you, I know you jest. But you're a very good problem solver, and you're a lot smarter than you than you give off. So I think, given a situation where you genuinely have to, I think you'd find a way. I wouldn't volunteer to do alone. No, no. I mean, like if if like end of the world sort of shit. Like you're alone. You you just you got nothing else. You have to survive. Mm. I don't. You jest and you say I'd be fucking dead in three days. But I think you'd be at a at least. You'd 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 scrap, you'd forage, you'd get a, f- you'd do something. I mean, like that guy that uh, uh, I can't remember what the name of the book, but it is in WA somewhere. Where he got s- stranded and he was eating like bugs and worms and ants and yeah. you, know, you know, like he was next to some dam and he yeah. survived yeah, for like w- sixty days or something like wow. that. Wow. Well, yeah. yeah, that was that was really. Was it that wasn't bloke? It? And he came out of the book. They found him, and he was like super skinny. I feel like I assume he was pretty skinny. Yeah, if <laughs> <laughs> you put on weight, you're like <laughs> I think there was a. Uh, I think there was a. There was someone recently, and it was just like 
pretty close, like I'd say Serpentine Falls or something like that, and they had a fall somewhere. Mm. I can't remember. I feel like it was within the last year or so. Sure, it wasn't just they Joe Biden at a press <laughs> yeah. conference? They broke a leg or something like that. And, oh, um, fuck. And they got stuck, and they yeah, they had to eat like grubs and sh- and stuff that they could find until someone found them mm, and yeah, they survived, right. yeah. But they were still still severely malnutritioned. I mean, we, it, it, did I uh, mention last time about the people who came across us when I was in that really kind of remote stretch that I kind of freaked out a bit? No, uh, not from memory, but even if you did, we'll yeah. re-say it. Right, so people can go listen to the episode again. It's uh, So 30th of June and, you know, in the financial services, that's kind of like a bit of time for celebration in yeah. the financial yeah. year. So I'm out on this really remote stretch going through the Gibson Desert at this stage. So it's about 420 k's, but there's no water for the camels. They go nearly a month without water during Jeez. the stretch. Right in the middle, a couple of caravanners over the last few weeks had given me a beer here and a beer there, and I'd saved all of them up. I'm going to have my nine beers for uh, <laughs> end of financial year. Oh my goodness. And I'm about five or six beers in. And uh, so because I haven't had any water for ages, like there's also no shower, like so I'm a month yeah. off the shower, and this four-wheel driving camper van rocks up. Wow. And they're like, what are you doing here? <laughs> like, 30 of the June party, you know? Like, <laughs> doing my taxes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so they've gone, I don't know, what are you doing with the camels? I'm like, that's just how I get around, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, we only passed a camel about 2Ks back. Uh, heading this way, and I'm like, oh, it's got a camel. camel coming in, you know. Oh, no. I look over, I see this camel boom, 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 down the road. So I was like, shit. So fucking hell, I run back to my camp, grab the 308, and start running back. So all they've seen is me just go, ah, oh, fuck, <laughs> grab a rifle and run straight towards them. So their eyes are like dinner place. They're like, what the fuck? We're in the middle of nowhere. Sun's just going down. And they're like, this is not going to end well. So I run past them because it's rude to shoot through people. Yeah. <laughs> get to the other side and uh, down this bull camel is about 10, 15 metres away. Go up, put another bullet in the head so he's not in any pain and... Uh, and then I pulled my knife out and I'm like, you know, we're going to have some camel stew for dinner, you keen? <laughs> yeah. And the girl goes, oh, no, we've prepared tofu for our oh, dinner. Oh, that's my right. <laughs> Fuck. They're, they're dead in a day. Those guys are dead in a Mate, day. Mate, they were gone. Yeah. What? They were out I of I just there. see a drunk bloke grab his rifle and shoot a camel. <laughs> Let's get into it. <laughs> no, thank you. Fuck. Imagine the story they'd be telling. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just got out. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah, that was the one thing I always remember now is that bull camel will just fuck your camel up until they take dominance. Oh, so. It's just incredible that it's such a pest. Like, as in the... It's a, it's, it's a not a pest, but... A, like yeah, a what, Hayden Valentine. Are they, is that what they'd be considered? A, a, a Camels are a well, pest. They, yeah, they're declared a pest, but like, these guys were instrumental in building mm. what Australia is today. Mm. Like, the first time we ever got a message from London through to Sydney was because the camels built the Overland Telegraph line from south to north. Yeah, right. So, before that, it was all, you know, carrier pigeon or whatever they were doing back then. But the first time to pick up the phone and get a telegram or, you know, call Thanks through... Thanks the camels. Is all the Afghan camel handlers and their camels that came across uh, oh. built that Overland Telegraph line. Uh, so, they're introduced... Yeah, yeah. Well, so the, the, the first ones came over for the Burke and Wills expedition. Yeah. Uh, there was a couple before that, but uh, the first successful use of them in a trekking nature mm. was with Burke and Wills. Yep. They all die or something? Uh, Burke and Wills? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, it wasn't originally the Burke and Wills track. Yeah. Right? So it was Burke. <laughs> Two and other people and they died. <laughs> <laughs> it was Burke and some other bloke. Drunk like shot on with his name. <laughs> <laughs> and and they, uh, they were really slow because they were carrying dining room tables, crockery, all this shit. So they were really slow moving. Yeah. And they were trying to get this prize that the government had set going the first people to trek from south to north and yeah. open up that kind of route mm. will get this government grant, this government money. And Sturt had taken off a few months uh, after Burke and Wills have it, and he was quick. Yeah. So they're like, holy shit, we've got to get rid of some stuff. Mm. And they were getting rid of the – still kept the dining room table, but, like, got rid of a lot of other stuff. One of the things they had was 270 litres of rum. Wow. Oh. The ofi- official reason was to prevent scurvy in the camels. <laughs> <laughs> so the 2IC goes, mate, I'm really concerned about the scurvy issue. Yeah. Uh, so if you get rid of the rum – I'm gone. Yeah. So this was near a place, uh, Poon Carry up the da- uh, Darling River. Okay. Uh, so they dump off the 270 litres of rum and the two IC. <laughs> and, <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, I- I'm no one hears from him again. Yeah. <laughs> and Wills gets the call up to the plate and that's the point where it became the Burke and Wills track. Yeah, right. Two IC died of alcohol poisoning. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know that because um, I, I borrowed my housemate's swag. Burke and, it was a Burke and Wills, I think, brand of yep. swag. And then he told me like that they were on an expedition and, and they died because they didn't pack enough water. Was that them or is that? Yeah, yeah, no, my wires it, crossed. It, it's I mean, it was, they uh, uh, they died next to the the dig tree. So there, it was only a few hours because they they chose to keep on going from this point all the way up to the north to you know claim the prize. Yeah, made it all the way back, and the party that was waiting for them had left a few hours earlier yeah right they waited a few extra like an extra month or six weeks seven weeks or something like that but they literally they came out in the morning and then the afternoon burke and wills came in and what they just had no water and died at that spot there was some supplies underneath a tree but they didn't dig it up oh wow and then they ate the wrong things and into the wild into Mm. the wild bloke so how did they how would they know that they've been up to the north uh, it, like, because they left a note saying, "Trust us." We, <laughs> <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yeah, so yeah. I was just like, yeah, I went. Yeah, no, no one can fact check. So you like having gone up through <clears throat> the northern part of WA? I guess we have buffalo, hey? Buffalo, uh, water buffalo, water yeah, buffalo. Yeah, yeah. so they're are they introduced as well? No idea. Because yeah. I don't think so. Because I was I was gobsmacked when I found out. I think it was is it Cameron Haynes or or who's the uh, Australian hunter? That goes anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I've seen him move on. Yeah, he's always get, yeah, he's getting like water buffalo and big deer and stuff like that. But like, mm. I had no idea we had that shit in Australia, nope. and they're just fucking and they're huge. We, we never went that far north on the track, mm. but uh, at Uluru, uh, they've got a uh, at the camel farm. They've got a water buffalo at the back, and he's quiet as okay. So, um, I'll give you a, fo- a photo of Jeff Wilson. Sitting on his back like a Buddha <laughs> on the buffalo, <laughs> on the buffalo <laughs> the with the big horns and stuff like that, wow. and he's trying and, to and Jeff, lop you know, it off so yeah. he can smoke some yeah. fucking Mate, elephant dung. He's out got of the it. biggest <laughs> grin on his face because yeah. he's like, "I'm a vet, and I never imagined I'd be sitting on the back of a water buffalo." That's nuts. That's nuts. I don't even think there was much water near Uluru. What was the um, 
uh, the Elephant Dung like? Did it do anything? Any high? Mm. No, there's no high. So I suppose it's yeah. just a really grassy kind of, <laughs> you know, yeah. dung. Because like yeah. it, was it mixed with tobacco? Mate, it was, like no, no, it was just, just straight out dung. Mate, I've been... That's so strange. <laughs> I, I've never looked at a piece of shit the same way again. <laughs> <laughs> and I smoke it. Yeah, it does look different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck. Yeah. Um, Trust me, stick to herbivores. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a herbivore and now I'm a carnivore. Yeah, he's flipped it around, eh? I've been doing carnivore for two weeks. Yeah, I've been saying that. Mm. Um, it's been good. Yeah. Very good. good I even results. feel like today I've been able to speak with more clarity and less ums and ahs and yeah, oh. I don't know, energy's really good still considering yeah. normally after one podcast, I'm fucked. Mm. We've just yeah. done two and I still feel like I can keep going. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's really, it's quite good. Did you actually, would you have experienced a lot of that sort of style diet through your, um, through no, your tracks? Like out there you were, you're craving any kind of fresh vegetables at any, oh, any yeah. time you could get it and you were trying to maintain Smash as much it. as you possibly could along the way. Mm. And then I'd have a lot of the rehydrated stuff. So, yeah, yeah. dead mash, rehydrated peas and stuff like that. So, yeah, But okay. you said before you lost 30 kilos just by quitting drinking. Yeah. That's how easy it is. It was yeah. just you stopped drinking and 30 kilos fell off you. Uh, so I think the body had the shell shock of stopping drinking. Yeah. Mm. You know, uh, and then uh, did intermittent fasting second month. Mm. Yeah. Um, and slowly ramped up the training in the third month. Nice. So a majority of that 30 kilos went in three months. Yeah, but it re- also remember, like, not j- just removing alcohol doesn't uh, isn't the only part that would... Uh, no, play a factor because you're then more motivated to exercise. Yeah, correct. You're and not eating, and you don't want to waste your time off the grog. Yeah, you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. This is going to be four months. Yeah. and it's going to be. Yeah, I'm going to not waste a second of it. Yeah, yeah, because you'd be more active as well. Everything because yeah. when you're drinking, you f- you feel like shit the next day if you drink too much. Well, uh, I'm, I'm it puts on weight. I'm it, off it now because of the medication on the eye. Yeah, yeah. but uh, also I've been told I, I cannot do any exercise. Like I can't oh, raise because of blood pressure. Rate. Yeah, uh, anything to raise it. I can't do anything jolty, so I can't jog, you know, Sex. even low intensity. Stuff. For how long? No, I'll risk it. <laughs> <laughs> even if my eyeball explodes <laughs> as I finish, I'm fine, I'm fine yeah. with that. The other one eye monster. Yeah. <laughs> how long for? Uh, so I've got some more appointments with a specialist mm. um, as we come through the next few weeks. So, so it's, just, it's just a week by week thing, you know. I'm, yeah. I'm just at the whims of the advice. And you've got to fully watch your diet then, really. That's all you can do, hey? Pretty diet. much. Diet. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm hitting the vitamin C tablets like they're going out of fashion. So they said oh they yeah. have, you know, three to five grams of that a day. Yeah, right. Mm. Vitamin Coke. I'm not sure if that helps with the eye. <laughs> helps well, with the weight. Num- numb it. <laughs> it helped with the weight loss, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was going to ask before, it just popped up. What's the weirdest thing that you've insured? Have you had any weird insurance requests? Um, we just got one through for a tiger farm. Wow. Yeah, over in Queensland. Fuck, so, really? And, and I'm thinking, oh, oh how maybe do you? we can help there. And she's like, we also want to do interactive experiences where the people can like interact with the tigers. Oh, my I'm like, God. Is someone sitting by with like a tranquilizer yeah. dart? Like, <laughs> now, just in case the human freaks out. So <laughs> how do you... How does something like that get assessed? Because you see in Jest the the movie where what's that movie where Tiger King? No, yeah, no, no, the movie where the guy needs to get life insurance and he needs to 
Um, and it ends up being an Aussie guy who does fucking skydiving and all that shit. It's a comedy. I can't remember. Can't remember. Ben Stiller, he's always oh, safe. Life of Schmidt or something? No, he's always safe. Yeah, Not right. a, yeah that... N- I know which one you're talking about, but he's yeah, the assessor. He's, oh, he's the insurance assessor. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, can't can't remember what it is. Meet Along came Polly. Along he won't even Polly, eat yeah. the nuts or something. Um, and it's in jest, obviously. Yeah. He's assessing this guy's like his life insurance and he does fucking base jumping and all this shit. Do you, is it like a play, uh, like a time where you actually go, right, if it's a person, we have to go assess what their lifestyle mm. is like and stuff like that? Yeah, because we don't do the life stuff. Like, And yeah. luckily when I got my life and income protection policy i was an insurance broker in the office yeah, yeah right? and then you've already got the policy and then you start going doing some crazy stuff so, yes um but uh yeah as a broker like anything that doesn't fit down the normal shoot mm. generally comes across your desk because they'll call a couple of direct insurers and they'll just keep on getting told no 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 and so eventually the the hard to solve problems mm, come yeah. across your desk. So That'll be pretty interesting. So, what, yeah. but what do you do? Is it just worth of an extra value if it's yeah, how do you figure out? Or? Have you insured them or not? So you've, gonna got, you've got different markets. So you've got the Australian market, and then you've got overseas markets. Yeah. Uh, so Lloyd's of London is one of the larger kind of ones. And then you've also got unauthorized foreign insurers. So you know you well, that sounds. It's trustworthy. It, 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 <laughs> I know, Rob. So it's almost like it feels sometimes like oh, I've got a guy in South Africa who'll have a punt. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, like, yeah. So there are various kind of markets out there. There's a lot, a bit of stuff that obviously everyone just kind of calls Barley's on. It's quite a hard market at the moment. Yeah. So people aren't really uh, prepared to because unauthorized it. foreign. Does that what that unauthorized bit? Surely you don't want that. It or ju- what does it mean? It just it means, means it's not. It doesn't run through the Australian regulatory, right? Kind of. So normal. it might be harder to make the actual claim. If you make a claim and it doesn't go your way, mm. there's no like arbiter to kind of oh. go. All right, oh, here's your so it's an insurance broker's us. dream. <laughs> 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 so uh, no, Tiger Farm, you got eaten. Should have yeah, seen so that coming. So what do you assess with the Tiger Farm? Like mm. if you're in you, you're insuring a Tiger Farm that they want to let people walk. Is through. it for the tigers? The insurance. Or, or like, will they have to find... Or the people? <laughs> public liability insurance for people off someone else. And well, you that's, uh, you're looking to try... Like, this is a, a new business that's trying to kind of get off the ground. Mm. So you want to give someone like that options. And, you know, they want might want to do an interactive experience. Mm. But they don't have a whole lot of experience or track record in doing yeah. that. And it might be hard to get someone on board with it. So you go, look, uh, you might only have an unauthorised foreign insurer if you really want to do those experiences. If, Mike just, Tatum. if they're just looking and on the other side of the cages, then you're fine. Here's your normal kind of policy. Yeah. yeah. Here's the difference between, here's the risks. And you, you just give them all the information they need and they make the call based yeah. off as much info you can give them. Yeah, right. Even something as like, like dangerous sports. So we had David Reynolds on. And uh, obviously there's fences, stuff like yeah, that. But. Car. Surely their insurance must be pretty, like F1 and stuff. Their insurance stuff must be pretty scary. scary. Well, there's a lot of stuff that operates without insurance. Yeah, right. You know, like insurance is kind of choice. If you're an F1 team and, you know, yeah. the guy who owns the team is worth $8 billion, yeah. you know, maybe he's not worried if the F1 car has a little ding. Yeah. You yeah. know? Uh, but but I mean, that's as that's in the like Italian team. They've well, got a little <laughs> ding in the driver's seat. Well, I meant more for like, crowds and, and then it's like, like how, people watch oh, yeah, how many people are doing it as well yeah like if you're in a really kind of weird sport like 
absorbing, which yeah. is like where yeah, they've yeah, got yeah, that yeah. big inflatable ball and you roll <laughs> like, up the hill. Yeah. yeah. And it's, there's not many people doing it, so there's probably not going to be an insurer that goes, I'm going to specifically cater for that. Yeah. But if you're doing motorsport and there's a lot of people that are doing motorsport, yeah. then the insurer can kind of come in and go, all right, we're going to hedge our bets because we can write 10,000 policies on people doing motorsport. Yeah. I find yeah. this stuff so, so interesting. So they get to spread Same. the risk. Wow. Even though it's insurance, like, I find it how interesting. Yeah. Well, well, like, it, how's this? Like, the, the way that our insurance market is protected, like, in across the globe, mm. um, is by a series of reinsurance policies where other countries will kind of back us. Wow. And we'll back other countries. So, otherwise, mm. we have a major event that comes through, mm. and then all of a sudden all the Australian insurers go bust. Yeah. So, the Australian insurers might cover an event in a flood up to four billion dollars worth of damage yeah then after that they've got an insurance policy with swiss wow. re and they so cover the company's payouts correct uh, over and above wow a amount. so the insurance company <laughs> itself has an excess where they have yeah. to pay it up and then someone else pays and then the australian reinsurance market might cover the back end of Tokyo for you know two of their insurance companies, so that that way, no matter what happens anywhere in the world, the risk just kind of gets spread across the globe to that's protect cool. our whole entire industry. So, who insures the alien invasion that's coming shortly? No one. We're no all one. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, if something okay, that's far more sci- like science fiction. But like, what if that was to happen? Fucking alien comes along and blows up a building, and that's insured. Like, is that act of God? What, yeah. What, what is what that an act? Because that proves there's no God if there's an alien. Mm. Well, there's a couple of different types of insurance policies. So you've got one where it's like this is what is covered. Yeah. Right? And then you've got another style of insurance policy that goes everything is covered except this. Ah. Yeah. All right. So depending on which one you have, I don't reckon either of them would, would have alien invasion. <laughs> like, well, this is what's covered. They're not going to go except <laughs> alien invasion or except Project Blue Beam fake alien invasion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if you want to find someone who goes, all right, I'm going to take a bet that aliens don't exist, yeah. and they happen to be an insurer. Yeah. Oh. Right. Then you can go out there and sell alien insurance if you like, and anyone who think really thinks it's going to happen can go out and get we it. So we should. If you've got <laughs> someone who's prepared to fund it and someone who's prepared to buy it, then I think that the CIA would fund it. <laughs> <laughs> we know you're listening. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, uh, that's cool as fuck. What was your most satisfying? Um, like, because you broker the deal, right? Yeah. And what was your most satisfying deal? Like. We insure a lot of tradies, like I said, and a lot of subbies. Yeah. Right? And you can get um, you know, someone who's just a careless kind of mistake, leaves a power tool on at a work site. Yeah. And then it triggers a fire and the whole entire thing, you know, burns down. Yeah. So, you know, you've just got a one-man band. Yeah. You know, who's a carpenter. Mm. And all of a sudden, he's got this $500,000 issue. Yeah. yeah. That's come to his table. And he thinks it's... His whole world's over. Mm. Yep, and, and that costs him five hundred bucks. Yeah, excess, right? Wow. And he gets to carry on. That's yeah. incredible. Like that's that's a life altering kind of moment. Yeah. So to get get when that kind of happens, yeah, like, it's a good th- feel. This good. is pretty. Yeah. Pretty damn if that carpenter was Jesus, would have just thrown some wine on it, <laughs> turned it into water, it was gone. I'm interested. That's awesome. I'm interested where insurance goes with AI. In like, as in not how AI is used for insurance. I yep. mean, like the dangers of AI and how that is insured. Yeah, well, I mean, w- one of the things with AI, like at the moment there's uh, aggregators and um, people that kind of sit behind the scenes and use certain programs to determine 
how much an insurance policy should cost. Yeah. Mm. You let AI come in and start to take that over, the human element goes out and it yeah. will just charge you what should be charged. Yeah, so which it, is pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for us, but not for us. Which, which is not great yeah. for some people. Mm. Like you're in a high-risk area, in yeah. which is a low-income area, yeah. and all of a sudden they're – you know, also yeah. it just becomes un- unaffordable. Uh, like, I- if you remove the human element, yeah. it, it's a dangerous thing. Like, the, insu- the Australian insurance companies, like, a lot of them are back I- backed by our super funds. And mm. So, yeah. I- if we have a profitable insurer, then most of your industry super funds and that perform well. There's not just some guy sitting at the top going like, Whoa, Steve won't get his car claim paid. Yeah. Mm. No, like, not only do they support Australian businesses, uh, you know, everyday kind of people when they have a minor incident, they're generally also are responsible for being a secure investment for people's superannuation funds. Mm, so a lot of the people make, giving shit to the insurance company probably have investment yeah. Yeah. but yeah. completely unaware because they've got an industry super fund that yeah. considers it blue chip. Have you got any horror stories where someone's come to you and like their insurance was off or like they thought they were going to get something and they've been fucked over? It's... It's generally user-related error, but yeah. like insurance companies occasionally do go through a bit of a rough patch where they're like they put you through a bit of a ringer on the claims. But all yeah. in all, they're not too bad. Yeah, because um, you know they deal with the complaints so much that if they go through that rough patch, eventually they just get sick of dealing with the complaints and they they yeah. come good. So yeah. who's who's good and who's you know firing off at any one time? That yeah. that changes all the time. Mm. They get it right and they're nailing it. They get ahead of themselves and they drop off for six months or twelve yeah. months and then they're back up. So that's why you have a broker, yeah, because essentially he's the one that's got it. It's all across that kind of market yeah. and it's got that situational awareness to go. That one might be cheaper, but you know, the last twelve months have been nothing but a nightmare. Yeah, mm. I'd rather pay a little bit more knowing I'm going to be completely fucking sorted. Yeah. Um, what's the uh, is insurance fraud expensive to your company? Or is it no, easy? No, generally... It always uh, gets found out. We've been touch wood pretty good. Nothing that we've kind of seen. Yeah. We've been able to uh, gently suggest to a couple of people that maybe the road they're about to go down is <laughs> not advisable <laughs> and give them a bit of a reminder about the imprisonment and yeah. fines <laughs> that sit behind it. Yeah. So maybe... The yeah. situation you've just described to me <laughs> to get your two thousand bucks <laughs> is not that a great one. way to go. And oh yeah, I'll have a think about it. And yeah, then, yeah. And then that's it. They don't come back. <laughs> so we seem to have been able to give them the advice they need not to do something stupid. I've uh, uh, maybe we can wrap it up after this, but I've got one more insurance question. Yeah, I fucking love when someone's a specialist in something. Yeah, like something like insurance. Yes, I just like. Because so, you know so much about it. It's interesting well, to me. Well, I've always held the idea that health insurance is fucking stupid to have. Well, that's because you haven't had back surgery, can Well, <laughs> if yeah, I've always... Call, <laughs> 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 I'm not sure where you think this is going. It's not where you think. <laughs> I've always felt, and, and this is where I want to know where I'm wrong. I've always felt that if it's an emergency, we have a healthcare system that does it like that instantly, like it's, and it's free. So why am I paying health insurance to do it and prioritise me and maybe give me a private room? That's what I've always... Maybe I'm missing like fucking 10 other things that I'm not seeing and so 
you, you would be able I know to for a fact, if you've done your ACL and you're private, you're waiting 12 months to get it done. No, if, no, no, I mean, no. in public, if you're private, you go, you go in. Yeah, no, it's not moment. 12 months. It's just like as soon as they can get you in. It yeah, might which be is yeah, a yeah, long battle yeah, at right? the moment. Yeah, so I'm not a health insurance expert because we don't, we don't sell that. Yeah. yeah. You know, I've had a pretty recent experience with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was still confused about how the system works. Mm. Like, mm. so I got admitted uh, to get the surgery in the emergency department over in Canberra. Um, I went to a public hospital that's just kind of where they took us and I yeah. go, and then they're asking me to sign these things and you you know you mid injury and yeah I'm like is there a private option and they're telling me that you know there was a time issue as well yes mm. so I didn't end up in a private system now that I'm over here I'll probably you know go down the private route yeah and it's in there and, and I'm paying for the top of the line so but health, that which you know, is my point because it was an emergency it gets sorted if it's not an emergency yes an ACL is not great but like unless you but need it done yeah like you get it you know, done for free. A thousand bucks for, you know, optical mm. issues or fifteen hundred bucks for optical every year, and I'm like, I reckon we might get burned through yeah. a little bit more than that. Mm. Yeah, um, but I think it's one of those things from what I've seen people who've used health uh, mm. insurance funds successfully is where they use it as a part of their maintenance. They're like, mm. it's got access to funding, yeah. counselling, and support <laughs> services, and uh, gym memberships, and yeah. a lot of them have a lot of uh, membership discounts you can get. You yeah, know, okay. You and you get slugged with the at Woolies, and you can do this here. So I think if you use it, you have to actively use it mm. well in order to get yeah. the benefit out of it. But then you still have to pay with for the operation as well, fifty percent of it, don't you as well? No, no. Yeah, it's like a percentage. You pay a small. Yeah. My back surgery was like just a click under twenty grand, I think, or mm-hmm. forty grand. Mm-hmm. And I was maybe eighteen hundred bucks out of pocket or something like that. Okay, so you still, and that's that's what always pisses me off because you still have to pay. Yeah, it's and fucking I'm like, annoying. And I had to pay for the anesthetist. I think it was like five hundred bucks that wasn't covered. And now that that surgery, excess. you could have just gone on the public thing. Maybe you had to wait an extra twelve months I and got it. I wouldn't have been able to. Wait. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Is that is that right? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Some surgeries are covered and some aren't. Because it'd be elective or mm. not elective. I'll, 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 f- I'll find an expert for you that's yes. also quite interesting. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. So Another I'll, one. I'll, I'll go through some extensive market research by yeah. just getting on the piss with some people from <laughs> health insurance. <laughs> <laughs> and after my extensive surveys, I'll, I'll deliver one yeah. to you. Right. Well, you got to pay for the Medicare levy anyway. So when you weigh it up for an extra 100 or 200 bucks. You mean got, in your tax? Yeah. Yeah. Um, then you got thing, but for me, like you got massages, fucking remedial, all that sort of shit, which I use all the time for my back and my legs. Mm. So yeah, and then even like as simple as like your teeth, like your wisdom. Yeah, the teeth. Oh, I totally say it for teeth and dental, but I, I just, out. It was like just other stuff. Like I'm always, we got a free healthcare system, one of the best in the world. Why wouldn't we just? Like, if it's an emergency, it gets done. That's why I've I mean, always the, thought the public over in the ACT. Like, it's, I'm not uh, complaining about the public. Uh, service that mm. I got over there. Mm. I mean, I think they did a pretty damn good job on the eye. Like, we've yeah. managed to hopefully have a foundation to be able to build something off. Mm. Later yeah, on. of course. Um, maybe I get to the private hospital mm. expert when he gets here and you might go, What the fuck did that go? Yeah. yeah. But it seems like it's gone really well. They've managed yeah. to save a lot of it. Um, the staff were great. Mm. You know, yeah. word fine. of warning as well. I got stung. This pissed me off so much, but my wisdoms were like excruciating. I needed them out. Yeah. I went in, I had like the first half of the operation. Mm. I don't know what it was, it, but it was split in two. And it was just before New Year's Eve. Mm. So my excess was like 400 bucks or something, mm-hmm. 500 maybe. Mm-hmm. And then because I got the next part of it in at the start of January, I don't know if it was my wisdom, it was some operation I had. Mm. But the next part of it was literally like 10 days later, 
because it was either side of the year, I then had to pay another 500 excess because it was oh, a fresh year. Oh, you're that kidding. fucking infuriated me. That's well, annoying. Yeah. Well, just save anything you got to get done, all right? Um, you know, Jeff's a vet. You know, <laughs> get him up. We'll <laughs> we get neutered. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, Sick. I've really enjoyed this episode because yes, it did awesome. It had the adventure, it had mindset, it had entrepreneur, and it had insurance. Ex- there was ex- a lot going on. Expertise. I like this episode. It was yeah. fucking good. A couple of bangers. Uh, anything else you want to talk about or plug before we... No, no. It's all good. Uh, thanks for coming back. Yeah. I think we'll get good, you back again, again on the beers. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have a beer. the new, one, the the new, new studio. studio. On, on, on the rum. So I'm going to bring in a really nice rum next yes. time. Yes, right. yeah. And uh, you guys smoke cigars at all? No. Uh, yeah. Uh, dabble. I'm yeah. not... Yeah. Dabble? Dabble. Yeah. yeah. I know oh, where there's 270 litres of rum. <laughs> 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 Maybe we can get Jeff Silkus up with some elephant shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, was still, I thought you were going to say ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> I'd give it a, I'd give it a crack just to see what like experience it, yeah, see yeah. what it is. Yeah. If he got some, I'd give in. it a taste. I'll, I'll is it legal? I'll dry out some camel shit. <laughs> <laughs> it comes in the perfect yeah. little nuggets as well. well. Didn't Blood camels shows. used to be a brand of swag anyway? Yeah. So uh, camel, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we should uh, use this as an opportunity to talk about the new studio quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've, we've signed a lease. We've signed uh-huh. a lease. So uh, Goodbye got to this place. Yeah, got the deposit down at, at opposite the Rosemount. And um, yeah, it looks sick. It, it's it looks like it's going to be a great space. We're going to be able to deck it out properly. Um, like fully, yeah, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. But um, we'll have a, have a little going away uh, episode, I reckon, with Wolfie, hey, next yeah. week. Yeah. Um, maybe we'll tear this place apart. <laughs> yeah, <the> fuck, actually, <laughs> Wolfie might. We, they've got to do an, an inspection report. Oh yeah, so and you're much closer to a pub now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I oh, know. Oh yeah, you you have a local. Yeah, so you got, you, I mean you got the rosy, you got yeah. pot black, like, yeah. you know, and temping bowling next yeah. door. Like, it's going to be good fun. I think it'll be great. I'm not going to be able to use it for the first three months that we yeah, have. Yeah, because you're basically gone almost once we've sort of set it up. Hey, when yeah. do you leave? July twenty first. Wow. Okay. So, well, we'll have to get a few episodes in before you leave. But um, it's yeah. it's really it's a big step for our podcast. Um, it's a commitment, yeah, and it's but we can work out of it as well. So, yeah, um, but it's it's fun, man. If I think you know any mates that like the potty, get them to join the Patreon so they can help support us. Yeah, because we're still not earning enough rent. money to pay for the rent, but yeah. <laughs> um, it's should oh, be sick. I'm pretty excited, man. I want to start a PS5 FIFA um, pod as well. Where yeah, the, well, that front lounge room yeah. is like you can set it up properly instead yeah. of like it all being in the same area. Yeah, then I don't have to fucking shit myself every time with people here worrying about their podcast equipment getting you do damaged. Shit yourself, <laughs> we can smoke it. <laughs> yeah. So, fuck yeah, sick episode. Cool. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see you next week.